Welcome into Tailgate. Austin Gale here with Mike Renner in sunny Cincinnati. Today on the podcast, we are going to rip through an oldie but a goodie. Got a story from AG's past. Renner's going to talk about his Reds game experience where they ran out of beers in the fourth inning. Cincinnati continues to deliver. And then we're going to rank all 32 NFL offseasons, give them grades from A to F. That's including free agency, who they lost, who they gained, the trades they made, and obviously the drafts, a little cap or a bow, if you will, on the NFL offseason. Let's get it. Here we are in sunny Cincinnati, tailgate, getting after it on a Wednesday afternoon. How was the Reds game? Ooh, it was good. I mean, it was actually the Brewers game, just to make, just Fair. To make that clear. I went because the Brewers. Uh, Brewers won. It was tight. Hater came in. Loved to see Josh Hader. Um, I don't know any baseball player okay, at all. Yeah. Joey Votto, um, maybe. But he didn't even play. I'm not even sure if he's hurt or whatever. I don't follow baseball closely. But no the real does. story <laughs> was... So the reason I went in the first place, well, the Brewers are in town. I was probably going to go. But $3 Bud Lights on Tuesdays at Red We were games. just talking about this, right? Yes. Like, hey, like the only way I'm going to a baseball game is like have a normal priced beer day. And yes. $3 beers is cheaper than where you'd get at a bar and those things. But that's an incentive. And I saw $2 hot dogs. $3 beers, $2 hot dogs on Tuesdays. I almost went because of that. I had a lot of work last night, so I didn't go with you guys. But was there not uh, something else that happened with those $3 beers? Well, so they ran out in the fourth inning. It was, it was Bud Lights, unfortunately. So I, had, I was biting the bullet already. But then they ran out in the fourth inning. I was pretty upset. We went to literally, I went and walked around every single vendor to, to see. Because I was obviously out of beer and was not going to pay full price. When I got advertised $3 to bait and switch. And someone higher up finally made the decision to let the concession people swap to 16-ounce beers for $3 still. So they started giving out the 16-ouncers. They, oh, they were 12-ouncers prior. But that happened after like an inning and a half of me searching. But they were getting roasted on Twitter because there was no one there. And they ran out of beers. Like the first time they do this promotion, they run out of beers. Just how egregiously mismanaged have the Reds been? It was pretty indicative. But finally, they, they figured it out. Bruce won. Got my 16-ouncer. It was a good time. The average attendance for the Reds this year is 17,000 people. Yeah, I've never seen, I've never been to a baseball game with fewer people in my life than that was last and night. And they still ran out of beers? And they still ran out of that beers. That doesn't make any sense to me. How do you not plan for that? I mean, to be fair, the Reds also stopped in the fourth inning. Didn't they get blown out towards the back end, like 5-4 or whatever? Uh, well, they actually came back. It, was, it, was, oh. it wasn't close. They when the beers came back. And then, yeah, but. Some other house, whoa, housekeeping items on the Catch and Only Buzz here. Going to shout out a handful of things. One, everyone who filled out the tailgate survey. Appreciate it. Go fill it out now if you haven't. We've gotten over a billion responses so far and a lot of good feedback. Good feedback on what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show, you want to, what you want to see more of in the summer. That survey is available in our podcast description. Go check it out. And we also tweeted out on the Tailgate Twitter account. That's PFF underscore Twitter. Appreciate everyone who had the survey. One of the things on the survey, or not one, but like an absurd amount of people want us to bring back the stories. I brought, I was, we were telling a lot of stories about your childhood, my dad from back in the day, my mom from back in the day, some dating stories. We've gone away from it. we got to bring them back. We have to bring them back. Oh, I haven't been dating, so I have no same, good dating stories. Same. I haven't been dating either, but we need it for the content. We need it for the content. Other housekeeping item. Quinn, I'm going to step away from the mic here. Mike, take on. Oh, Aiden Butchison. 
Michigan Wolverines. Wow. Shout out new Detroit Lion Aiden Hutchinson for oh, getting pr- his name wrong, me this signed Michigan jersey. That is absolutely dope. It is dope. This is, uh, this is very cool. He got one for Chris. He got one for David Sofaro, our director of communications, and our sponsor, Lee Connor Price. So, Dude, if you didn't get one for me, I would have sent it You didn't it get one for you because you're a dirtbag. Yeah, I would not accept it. I would not accept a Michigan Wolverines jersey. Sorry. Big shout out to Jenny Cronin and Ryan Henderson of Radigan Sports as well. You love to see it. Are you going to? I have nothing to add to that. It's not going to stay in the office, I hope. Or in our apartment either. No, it's going in the apartment. It's going in your room. That's where we're going to put it. Last thing here, I think I'm going to retell uh, a story. As okay. Well, so a lot of podcast listeners know the story, but it's my dad's third DUI, mm. but he missed it. He got out of it. He got out of it. So this is how so the story goes. So technically not. Yes. Third, then. So this is how the story goes. I remember when I first told the story, someone's like, what's the statute of limita- limitations on this thing? Could it get caught up? It's past that. So we're able to tell it full sale. So. My dad was driving a Ford Focus, and this is when my parents were like somewhat together, my stepmom and my dad, and um, family wasn't great, but you know, the, the boys are buzzing. My dad's driving a Ford Focus in the rain. He says he wasn't drinking, but who knows what we're doing here. And the Ford Fo- he's driving the Ford Focus in the rain, and the Ford Focus doesn't have good traction. And his story, because I wasn't in the car, was he wasn't speeding at all, but still hydroplaned, which if you've never hydroplaned in a car before, it is scary yeah. as hell. Yeah. But it's when your tires don't get any traction on the road and you're actually on top of the water and then your tires start spinning and you start losing control of the wheel and all that stuff. So he wasn't speeding, but somehow hydroplaned on the wa- uh, on the rain, spins out, car flips over multiple times, this whole thing's torqued. He ends up coming out of there pretty unscathed, pretty unscathed in this car accident. And... Um, he immediately scrambles out. And he knows he can't get caught, right? So for whatever reason, he wasn't drinking, but he can't get caught for whatever reason. He said he had some paraphernalia in the car, which, you know, <laughs> par for the course. And he, you know, wanted to grab some of that out of the car and just needed to get away from the scene, the vehicle, so to speak. So he leaves that. It's still pouring rain. And he's like pretty much like bumming on the side of the tip. This is his story. And he's, he's told me it with more detail now that I'm not like as young of a kid. And I've like been able to hear like the intricacies of how great this story is. So he gets out of the car immediately. He's like, Hey, I need some help. He's like putting his hand out on the freeway. Then this like couple stops who has a truck and they're like, Hey, we're going to pick you up. And they pick him up and he's like, where do you need to go? Like, do you need to go to the hospital? And they have, he tells me this like box of donuts in the backseat that they're taking to whatever fucking some event. And it's in those classic pink boxes, pink boxes that you can see, you can kind of see in your head. And he is dripping wet, covered in mud, bloody as hell and keeps accidentally dropping the box, like pushing the box down into the turf of the car and picking up these donuts with his muddy ass hands and putting them back in the box. And he spills them again. And he says, they eventually end up yelling at him saying, stop touching the donuts please everything's fine they're driving him back they're driving back they're locked into taking him to his house and then they say you know what sir i think we need to take you to hospital we think you're hurt and he's like if you take me to hospital something he said he said he told them if you take me to the hospital something bad's gonna happen (laughs) and i'm like no way so he wasn't gonna kill him or anything i don't think but regardless he couldn't go to the hospital because he had paraphernalia on him and he probably can't kick out get tied to this accident for whatever reason i didn't really know at the time i think it was because he had two duis already you go three there it's it's a bad it's Mm -hmm. a bad situation so he gets out of that he threatens them he kick him they kick him out he ends up walking back i always think i always pause at this point in the story and think about that couple to this day telling the same story that I tell, but from their perspective, they picked up a monster. If you haven't seen my dad, he's an intimidating looking like mobster and they pick him up 
I was going to say, they almost had to know what they were getting into. It's not like he's the type of guy, like, just by looking at him, you might assume that could happen. So For sure. But I yeah. also think, too, though, like, you see someone, like, getting that back of a wreck. Yeah. You're like, I'm going to help sure. him no matter what. Yeah. Now, when they got in the car and he starts threatening their lives and, like, you can't take me to the hospital, you can't take me to the police, that's when things get a little dicey. They kick him out and then he ends up walking home. So... I hope they tell that story to this day because it's hilarious. But then, so he ends up walking back and my stepmom, you know, gets wind of what happened and is like livid. My stepmom's like yelling at him and like, they've been threatening divorce for a while. That relationship was torqued, but like they're threatening divorce, threatening divorce, all this stuff. And his dad, he's like, you can't tie this back to me. You can't. And I need to blame this on somebody. I think I'm going to blame it on your brother. And my stepmom's brother was there. His name's Rich. Good guy. Really good guy. He was a teacher, all this shit. And my stepmom's brother was like, hey, I'll do it. I'll do it. Because I don't have, you know, any, any yeah. you know, uh, marks on my record. You know, take one hit on the teeth here where everything's going to be fine. And, you know, my stepmom was like, are you serious? Like, this is bullshit. I can't believe you did this to my brother and all this stuff. They're like losing their goddamn minds. Brother ends up what ends up happening from there i don't know what happens they like i get like kicked in the dark from there because like i don't i'm not like in earshot of the screaming matches this is all when i'm like 14 13 years old i'm not in earshot of anything happens after that all i know is, is there are a lot of stress on who's going to take the fall how they're going to get the car back and if they don't get the car back and it's totaled which it essentially was how are we going to pay for it because it's a brand new ford focus and if you total a brand new ford focus and you bought it uh You're the money on. doesn't go away you still yeah. got to pay for all that my dad was working his mechanic job and all this different stuff money wasn't great so what ends up happening is I don't find out what happens with that, but it all ends up being gravy. They get a divorce and that's not the gravy piece of it, but like it, it ends up being gravy from a financial standpoint. And my dad ends up recovering it without going to jail, no marks on his record and never having to pay for the Ford Focus. I never knew why, not until like a couple holidays ago. I think it was like five, six years ago where I was like, dude, what ended up happening with that? He said, Richie was ready to take the fall for the car crash. And they were going to go through with that. But then my stepmom like completely blocked it and said, dude, we're not doing that. You're going to have to find another way. So what my dad did was pretty much essentially like hide out in the house while they were looking for who was driving that car. They know it was under his name, but they couldn't get a hold of him. And you're kind of like hiding from not necessarily the police per se, but you're hiding from, you know, car, car dealership and all that kind of stuff. In that span of seven days, two weeks, you know, I was like seven to 10 days his grandma my great grandma who was bless her heart 95 plus i mean she was kicking close dies in that span of old age nothing crazy like mm -hmm. whatever dies old sad I'm, I'm saying it's sad and allegedly close. allegedly dies for natural causes which is true yeah. I'm, I, that's not that's not what happened so she dies of natural causes in the seven days that he's kind of on not on the run but like hiding from the scene so when then when he goes to pick the car up this is what he told me when he goes to pick the car up he says she was driving the Ford Focus. And they, the insurance company, the Ford dealership, and the cops had no recourse. Yeah. And everyone was on board with the story. And that ultimately saved him from ever paying off the Ford Focus because it was on her fault. And ever going, obviously getting any marks on his record, and then obviously picking up the third DUI. Now, did he make up for lost time with other vehicles? Absolutely. And we've seen that over the last few years. But it is a sensational story. of, And I said this to people upstairs in the office because there's some other stuff that's happened with my dad and he's come out unscathed. Dude has nine lives. This guy, this guy has nine lives. Someone's got his back because he has been in more shitty situations than I can count. It's probably beyond nine lives, but that is one of the initial stories that got us on this train of telling stories on cold opens every single week. We'll continue to do that. My mom's got some good ones. She was wanted for Grand Theft Auto top five in North, Northern California 
on that list. Uh, we've got some stories around that and some dating stories as we continue to go. Shall we get into final grades for all three two NFL off, uh, off seasons? The way I want to do this is I want to go record by or division by division, announce with that division where the odds currently lie for those teams, who's favored, who's not favored, et cetera, and then look at their offseason, who they've added, who they've lost, and then also look at their draft and, and speak to their draft. We've obviously graded people's draft classes. We've graded specific first-round picks. It's time to look at this offseason in totality and also speak to you know, what exactly means for the powers of the division. We're going to start with the NFC North. NFC North right now, Green Bay Packers, glaring, glaring favorites, minus 175. It's one of the biggest favorites. I think the Bills and Packers are both minus 175 to win their respective divisions. And actually, the biggest favorite in any division is the Bucks in the NFC South at minus 280, which is insane. That is like a gift wrap for Tom Brady, who's going to be a Fox analyst. We didn't even bring that up on oh, yes. the Catch and Only Buzz. He's coming for our jobs. That motherfucker. Not our jobs. We're never going to be in the booth. He's coming for Chris's job. Speak for yourself, buddy. I was on the podcast with Chris when this news broke. It was like 10 minutes before we started recording. And he was like actually like genuinely shocked because he knows how much work goes into yeah. being in the booth. And he's like, is he never going to see his family? That was kind of my biggest takeaway too. It's like, you, I don't Maybe think, and goal. I know it's a lot of money. I know yeah. it's a lot of money. But you can't think that at a certain point, Tom Brady's always going to be offered a lot of money. Tom Brady, Nike would offer Tom Brady something similar for a deal. I mean, like, at a certain point, you have to turn it down to prioritize Giselle and the family, right? That was the kind of the most shocking piece of it, no? No, dude. He, he, he The dude loves ball. He, he loves football, man. <laughs> Put that on a graphic. I'm just saying, like, the dude loves football. And I, I'm not surprised. I mean, you don't play until you're 45, retire and unretire, if you're not obsessed with the game of football. Yeah. So he doesn't want to just go do nothing and be with his family. And it's not like push back on like the whole be not going to be with family. Like, yeah, he's going to travel during the fall, but you have then eight months a year to be with family. It's not like he's some, some guy grinding out like hundred hour weeks, like an investment banker or something at an office. It's not that whatsoever. He's probably gonna be in his home watching tape and preparing for these games and then on the road. So like that's, that to me is no i disagree with that take all right fair enough i mean chris chris is one who said it's a lot of work and all that stuff he was I, I like genuinely shocked that he's prioritizing it even after and also it's like gonna be no break right <laughs> like he's gonna retire yeah. and then he's gonna go right into the booth and even if you know i think I was having this conversation with sam Motson here at pff and he's like well i think there's you know chris is one of the hardest working color commentators and mm -hmm. and and that sounds like biased and i'm kind of like you know you know show you know blown smoke but like he is a very hard-working color commentator this guy's grinding in season and also travels every weekend regardless of if you're working your ass off in week you still have to travel every weekend mm -hmm. that i think is going to take a hit whether or not it's prioritizing family whatever i think it's fair to to have that speculation all right let's get into this I, I will say so i did a trial game of like actually announcing with you know mike and like do throwing the breaks and that sort of stuff i was doing color I did it with Jack Collinsworth because um, he was doing obviously prep for the USFL because he announces for that. And it's not like the easiest thing in the world. You, you, it's not as hard as some guys make it look on TV. That's for damn sure. But you get, fall into patterns where you repeat the same shit. It's very easy to miss. Like if you don't know the names and numbers of these rosters down pat, you will, you don't, you don't have time to figure it out in the moment. You, you know, you don't have time to like, like a lot of the stuff that you're going to say has to be second nature. It has to be like pre-planned. That's why you, you could tell when a guy does put in the work or he doesn't because you don't have the kind of 
it just everything seems to move so much faster when you have to commentate it than when you're at home just watching and can say whatever the fuck you want. I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong. So it is. The only other thing I think, and I know we're going to get to the NFL offseason grades. Did you see the Tua Tungavailoa video? I had, you had to have seen the it. The underthrown yeah. ball to Tyreek? Yeah. yeah. It was. What about it? Did you like the Did you like the banter and commentary around it? I think it's been good. Content. I've not been on Twitter at all whatsoever. So I you don't. You just don't care about your job or your career. That's fine. I get you. I get you. I don't um, care about the NFL, and nothing is going on in the NFL. All right, NFC North. Packers are favored by minus one seventy five. It's a two horse race from a betting odds perspective. Vikings are number two at plus three hundred. The Bears at plus nine hundred, and then the Detroit Lions at plus a thousand. If you are betting the Bears plus nine hundred to win this division, I think you're burning money. There's no way. I don't even think they finished third in this division. I think the Detroit Lions finished third. I don't like a lot of what the Bears have done this offseason, and we'll get into that. But um, let's start with the Green Bay Packers, ranking their offseason and how things have gone. How I want to start is look first at you know some of the players that they've lost, either via trade or via free agency, and then also look at some of the players that they've signed, and then looking at their draft class as well. So you look at, obviously lost Devontae Adams this offseason. They lose Marcus Valdez-Cantling to the Kansas City Chiefs. Darius Smith to the Minnesota Vikings um, also lost Lucas Patrick as well and that's kind of the major losses that they had um, in, in this offseason they retained Rasul Douglas they brought back Robert Tunyon um, that is some of the additions that they've had Jerron Reed is another one not like overwhelmingly impressive free agency from them I think um, losing Marquez Valdez-Scantling, losing Devontae Adams and losing Zadarius Smith are probably the three most you know biggest losses and the biggest additions being uh, Sammy Watkins and then um, Jerron Reed in the draft. I was not surprised that they didn't go after you know receiver in the first round. I kind of think saw them you know going a different direction in the draft in the first round. They went Quay Walker at twenty two, Devontae Wyatt at twenty eight, uh, the two Georgia defenders, and then in the f- second round they traded fifty three and fifty nine to go up and grab Christian Watson, wide receiver from North Dakota State. Also added Sean Ryan, the offensive tackle from UCLA at pick 92. Romeo Dubs in the fourth. Zach Tom in the fourth. Two picks that we really liked. And same with Kingsley Nagbury in the fifth. Your impressions, your grade for the Green Bay Packers offseason, um, all-inclusive with the Devontae Adams trade, losing Scantling, and then adding what they did in the draft. Yeah, so go through do my favorite and least favorite moves or whatever for each team here. And I guess my overall grade is probably just going to be say a B flat B I, I don't I didn't hate the Devontae Adams trade in fact like I thought they got a good return for a guy at his point in his career to for not having to pay him then top dollar to then have that cap space and backfill and, and to be able to get you know guys like Devondre Campbell on team-friendly deals back so I, I think the Devondre Campbell deal is probably my favorite move they made this offseason retaining a guy like him obviously adding Quay Walker in the draft as well really revamping kind of that front seven to the interior of that front seven. Like, they're going to be much, much better against the run with Jerron Reed, Devontae Wyatt. So that's my favorite thing they did. My least favorite, though, is just leaving the receiving core barren still. Like it's, this is – you look at what the Chiefs did to backfill for Tyreek Hill and losing him and how much they invested in the receiver position this offseason compared to what the Packers did to backfill Devontae Adams when they were – even before losing Devontae Adams, far more reliant on him than the Chiefs even were on Tyreek Hill because the Chiefs had Travis Kelsey to carry the load now too. The Packers really have no one to replace him and no like by committee to replace him either with the talent that's there. So that's probably my least favorite. If, if they could have figured out the receiving core, I would have gone A, but did not. Still looks rough on paper, so I'm going to go 
with a B for them. A B, I think, is fair. I think anything higher than that would be a bit aggressive. You can't lose Devontae Adams and then not and then still come out of this like an A minus, right? I do yeah. think that it was good process, essentially. And what they got back in return, knowing that he only wanted to go back to one team, we've talked about this a handful of times, to get what they got back in return with as little leverage that they had. They offered the same contract that he was getting in Las Vegas. He, like, legit wanted to go to the Raiders, wanted to play with Derek Carr, and to still get, you know, the first-round pick plus that they did, I think is impressive and good process. Still, they're in a window to win the Super Bowl right now. They're the favorite to win their division at minus 175. Losing Devontae Adams does not make your offense better. And replacing him with a combination of Christian Watson, Sammy Watkins, Romeo Dubs isn't necessarily going to be as fitting. This offense is going to have to look a lot different for them to have success. Now I'm wildly confident in LaFleur and, and Rodgers to take care of that. And I think something that you mentioned before, this is one of the best defenses that Aaron Rodgers has had. And yeah. they've done a lot to add paper. to that side I mean, of the ball. Know, but yeah. And with Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt, I, I think firm B, if not B plus even. I think maybe, maybe I said B, maybe the highest you go, but B, B plus is where I lean because they did get good players. I, I like Devontae Wyatt a lot. I think Christian Watson, you're betting on his trajectory. Impressed with their offseason. I'm going to go B. I think my favorite move was picking Devontae Wyatt at 28, honestly. You know, he's 17th ranked player on our board. I know there are some age concerns, but I think Devontae Wyatt is going to immediately mm-hmm. step in and, and be a really talented football player. And I think Sammy Watkins is an underrated move. I think Sammy Watkins is going to come in and, and surprise some people. I like Sammy Watkins. Who, who's your favorite receiver in this offense? Aaron Jones. I think Walk. I think my favorite receiver in this offense is, is Watkins. Like, at least right now. I don't think it's Lazard. I don't think it's Randall Cobb. I think Watkins, if he's healthy, which has always been the if with Watkins, could step in and be a contributor for Green Bay. On to Minnesota. Minnesota, as I said, plus 300 to win this division. Second on this. They did not do... A ton in France. They did add from Green Bay Zedarius Smith. Lost Tyler Conklin, the tight end, to the New York Jets. Brought in Harrison Phillips from Buffalo to come in at defensive tackle. Lost Mason Cole to Pittsburgh. Lost Xavier Woods to Carolina. Signed Jordan Hicks, the linebacker from Arizona. Those were some of the biggest contracts that they gained and lost this offseason. Then the draft for the Vikings, I, I do think that the trade back and what they got in return in return. I think they could have gotten more. Only getting the 34th overall pick to essentially trade down twice on day one and day two, I don't think it's good enough in what they could have gotten when you you know compare to previous trades. But still, Lewis Seen, phenomenal player. I encourage you all to listen to the Richard Sherman podcast with Lewis Seen. I think he was fantastic on that show. Um, and I like Andrew Booth in the second round as well. Their first two picks, impressive. I think overall, a positive offseason for the Minnesota Vikings, but they'll still find themselves second in the division no matter what and in largely quarterback purgatory depending on you know, just, you're only going to get good Kirk Cousins. I don't think we see an elite Kirk Cousins walk through that door. Yeah, I, I go back and forth. Uh, so the cap push from the perspective of, you know, keep kicking the can with Kirk, I don't love. Like, mm-hmm. just like keep kicking the can down the road. Now, cost-wise, it wasn't bad at all. Like, that, that was the thing that kind of got lost in the conversation around it was they're not actually paying him a ton of money in – the realm or compared to the rest of the quarterbacks around the NFL with the extra year. Like if he hit the open market, he undoubtedly would have gotten more than that on a per year basis. So I, I don't hate it from that perspective. Um, but, but I agree. I didn't love the round one trade down. I, I, I did love, I do th- see the vision though. And quite see like really revamping, throwing as many darts at that secondary at coverage players as possible to really try to fight in that division with Aaron Rodgers, But they're still a couple of years away, in my opinion. So if the – and that's the worry with the Kirk Cousins move. So I'm going to go B- for the Vikings this offseason. Yeah, I, I agree. I think they are 
I, I, I think your favorite move being Kirk's cat push. I don't. I, I think there were, he, there, what other moves were there? Is yeah. the other thing. It's like there weren't a ton. Maybe it's a Darius Smith signing, but that's. I, I do think like it wasn't a lot for a quarterback like Kirk Cousins to pay him. Yeah, I, I see them as the Minnesota or as the Las Vegas Raiders of the NFC in that they're in a division they're going to lose or mm -hmm. not going to win, right? And they have a quarterback that is a fringe top twelve player that they're paying a decent amount of money and have a good receiver and have a good defense, but it's just still not going to be enough to ultimately win this division. But here's the other reason why I say Kirk's cap push, though, is because $36 million next year, or 2023, excuse me, 2021 is, I believe, $31 million against the cap. So $36 million in 2023, if he plays well this year or plays okay this year, but your roster's still not good, with that extra year now on his contract, you can trade him. You know, you will have suitors for him when this offseason – there were so many quarterbacks available. He might like be the only one next year. And if he's the only one on the market next year, you might get a haul for a guy like Kirk Cousins mm -hmm. in via trade if that's your plan as a as the Vikings front office. So uh, that's where my head goes with that Kirk Cousins cap push. That like it's still a valuable asset that you want to keep in the fold. You don't just want to lose him for nothing like Washington did. Yep. No, I'm with you. I agree. One hundred poor percent. Um, Bears. They're technically third in this division in terms of odds. I don't like them to finish third. I think the Detroit Lions have a better chance of doing that just with how they've gone about this offseason. Now, you have to start with firing Matt Nagy, you know, moving on from Ryan Pace and bringing Ryan Poles and uh, Matt Eberflus. I think those are upgrades, right? But it's going to take time. Newness often takes time. Mm -hmm. Then you factor in losing Allen Robinson. You lose James Daniels this offseason. Both those guys signed you know, over $20 million contracts. That is concerning. They lose Jakeem Grant as well. Got a three-year $10 million contract in Cleveland. They did bring in Justin Jones on the defensive side of the ball, defensive tackle over from the Los Angeles Chargers. They signed from Indianapolis al Kadeen Muhammad, but not a lot of notable moves, right? Not a lot of notable moves for the Chicago Bears. Maybe the other one being signing Lucas Patrick over from Green Bay, the interior offensive lineman. I don't know, man. I, I don't love their offseason. I don't love losing Allen Robinson in a window where you need to maximize Justin Fields' development. And you look at what they did, trading away Khalil Mack. And what they got in return is fine. They got a second-round pick in return. But still, like they had to get rid of that contract to commit to this rebuild. I thought they'd leverage that capital to improve this offense. Instead, second-round pick, uh, their first second-round pick was Kyler Gordon, who was a great cornerback prospect coming out of Washington. And their second first-round pick, the one they got in that Khalil Mack trade, number 40 overall, they bring in Jaquan Brisker. Then their first receiver, you know, the first offense player to bring in in the draft is pick 71, Vilas Jones Jr., Tennessee wide receiver that's older. And I just don't love the process in how they've approached this offseason. Now, Ryan Poles and Iberflus kind of inherited a bit of a disaster. You go back to last year, Understand Nagy that. and Pace traded up for Justin Fields, traded up for Tevin Jenkins, made some short-term decisions to try and save their ass in Chicago, and they're kind of reaping that right now. I still hate it, though. I mean, it's not good for Justin Fields. It's not good for the Bears. I think they're going to be contending for a top-three pick in 2022. Yeah, that's – I agree with all of that. Um, so much so that my favorite move here I wrote down is not having your doctor fail Larry Ogunjobi's physical. <laughs> that was like not, yes. not making that move was my favorite move uh, of their offseason. Now that's obviously not – trying to make light of a tragic situation for Larry Ogunjobi himself, but they should never have given them that contract. They were in no position to do so. And my least favorite move is just like how they address the offense, which is to say they didn't address the offense. Yeah. You rolled in with, you know, Valus Jones, your first pick, 71, to address in the draft with two defensive guys going before that. Um, losing James Daniels in free agency, losing Allen Robinson in free agency. I, I just, they gave Justin Fields one of the worst situations of any quarterback in the NFL. And that's, 
I get they're not tied to him. Their jobs won't go and go as Justin Fields goes because they didn't draft him. They inherited him. But shit, I, I struggled to see a world where he has success this year. Over, under, six and a half wins for the Chicago Bears. I'm under. heavily leaning the under at minus 105. Yeah. So I'm going C minus for the Bears offseason. And eh, maybe that's harsh. I'll just go flat C for the Bears offseason because you really. You have to reset. There was such a, yeah, there was such a shit situation that I thought they did all right to. But still, I, I thought offense first, offense first. If you're really a defensive coach, you should be able to, you know, scheme up a defense, but. You're not going to be able to scheme up any offense with what they got there. I think hard C is fair. I think that's fair. I think C-plus would be giving too much credit to them just firing, nagging, <laughs> and pace, right, and trying to, like, yeah. commit to this rebuild. Um, on to the Detroit Lions. I'm, I'm also betting the Bears under six and a half wins next year at minus 105 on DraftKings. The Detroit Lions, a team that I might be betting the over on. I like the Lions, man. At six and a half, the over is plus 105. Seven wins. That was, like, five and a half, like, a couple weeks ago, though. Like, it's moving, right? It's moving in the direction that they might win six, seven mm -hmm. games next year. They are plus a thousand win division. I'm not betting them to win the NFC North. I think that would require a massive um, injury to Aaron Rodgers. Honestly, like, that's the only way I see them even like remotely in the conversation. And even then, I think Minnesota um, it takes that one. I love what they did in free agency, and that's they didn't spend a lot of money, right? They brought in Deshaun Elliott on a one-year, eleven million dollar deal. They bring in DJ Chark on a one-year, ten million dollar deal. Uh, Mike Hughes, Chris Board on one-year deals. It, that is how you have to do it in free agency if you know you're not going to be Super Bowl competitive in this upcoming season and you're not developing a quarterback on a rookie contract. Like, you don't need to get, you know, multi-year contracts out to receivers to see if you can prop up Jared Goff. You know what Jared Goff is. You just mm -hmm. need his $30 million cap hit off the books so you can start to make some decisions in free agency that are actually going to support a quarterback of the future, which hopefully they're looking ahead to 2023. And then I've we've raved about their draft. I love their draft. Yeah. What they did to... Get Aiden Hutchinson at two. They sprint the card in. I think it was the fastest the number two overall pick has ever been sprinted in. Shout out Aiden from behind. That, no, that Ooh, was... That's, can we cut that out? <laughs> um, then they trade up from you know the second round up back into the... Or 32 to 12 to get Jameson Williams, which they didn't give up a lot for, and trade up from 66 to 46 in that same trade, helping them land Josh Pascal. You look at that first three picks. Aiden Hutchinson, Jameson Williams, Josh Pascal. You liked Kirby Joseph at 97. That's a value. Who's the 73rd ranked player on PFF's draft board. The Detroit Lions have a vision. The Detroit Lions have a culture led by Dan Campbell that has buy-in. This is the rebuilding team to bet on. This is the team that's doing it right. Now, they still need a quarterback, but they're in a prime position. They didn't give up any future firsts in that trade-up with Minnesota. They gave up only current year picks. They had their future first for 2023 if they want to go after a Stroud or a Bryce Young. I was Really impressed with how the Detroit Lions approach this offseason. I think it's an A+. I'm calling it an A+. Ooh. You maintain Dan Campbell, you you don't make any drastic moves in free agency, and you hit on your first four picks in the draft. That is an A-plus offseason for the Lions. Okay. Um, I can't disagree too wholeheartedly. I give it an A. Uh, my favorite move was their draft. Their draft was exceptional. I love that you went with both different pronunciations of Josh Pascal there. Is it Pascal and Pas or Pascal? I don't know. I said in Pascal, <laughs> but you went you hit both in like a one sentence there. But... Yeah, I also said move. something about Aiden. I wish I could take that. <laughs> well, you can't. That one's out there already. My least favorite move. I mean, haggling over. I, I didn't. I, there was no like glaring bad move in my opinion. But my least favorite move is just retaining Jared Goff. Mm -hmm. He's not. You know, it's not. You no, know, everyone there knows he's not the guy. Like, you're kind of just. I get the cap situation. You don't really save much by cutting him. Yes, you want to always put your best foot forward as franchise, and he gives you a better chance of winning than. I don't know anyone else. But I'd rather, 
I'd rather trade for Baker Mayfield right now if I was Detroit Lions and cut Jared Goff. You know, like that—that that at least gives you some. But you'd have to pay upside. Baker Mayfield. I, I don't know. Well, like, you would the, the cap savings of if you if you cut post June one cut Jared Goff, the cap savings would nearly offset. Mm-hmm. And you and with the with the situation that the Browns are in, they're going to eat some. They would be willing yeah. to eat some of that cap too. So I, I really don't think just like rolling in with Jared Goff is just sad at this point. You know, it's not going to work out. So. Uh, and the worst thing that could happen is he plays his way into you thinking that he's going to work out like he did with the Rams for so many years. So I, I do think that that's probably my least favorite. But again, we're haggling there. That's not a massive. I didn't. I never really truly expected them to make the move like that. I think you're right to frame that, though, as you didn't really have like a least favorite move. Right? Yeah, yeah. Alex retained Jared Goff, but I think overall you give him an A. I give him an A+. Plus. I like their offseason. On to the NFC South. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I already kind of commented on it. They are a glaring favorite, the biggest favorite of any division in football at minus 280 to win the NFC South. Next up is the Saints at plus 350, and then they're giving no shot to the Carolina Panthers and Atlanta Falcons. Panthers are plus 1,200, and the Falcons are plus 1,800. And either way, that is setting money on fire. I I mean, I even think betting on the Saints to win it is kind of setting money on fire. Like, the only – for the Packers – I mean, an injury to Tom Brady is not – No, no, I'm saying saying the Packers, Bills, and Bucks. The three biggest favorites of any division. The only way they're losing those, in my opinion, is if they their quarterbacks get hurt. And then that gives them an yeah. opportunity for other people to get in. So um, the box at minus 280. Looking at their offseason, I said it on the Chris Collinson podcast. They had the best offseason of any team in the NFL. They got fucking Tom Brady back. Getting Tom Brady back to come out of retirement to return helps them get... Um, Shadow retirement. He never yeah, retired. Yeah, shadow retirement. And you, there's all that stuff about Miami or whatever. Yeah. But helps them bring back Leonard Fournette. Helps them bring back... Um, Carlton Davis, right? That helps him bring back Chris Godwin and all these different things. I, I was, you have to be super stoked if you're a Bucks fan. I mean, they're the favorite to go to the Super Bowl in the NFC. Like, and it, and Brady, if he stays healthy, is walking to a division crown and maybe even a first round bye. Like that is a really good offseason for the Bucks, and it starts with Brady coming back. Yeah, they lose Alex Kappa to Cincinnati, and then they lost Marpet to retirement. But they trade a fifth for Shaq Mason. They bring in Luke Gedeke in the draft like they've done a really good job to to build up and maintain a high-end caliber roster under um and even losing bruce arians right you factor this in i like todd Bowles as a head coach i i think that's fine as well i don't see a lot of issues in that transition so logan hall at 33rd overall luke gedeke at 57 rashad white at 91 those were their top 100 picks this is another i hate to go back to back here but this is a, this is an a plus offseason that you it couldn't have, you couldn't have asked for a lot better. Did they lose Marpet? Sure, losing Kappa, yeah. But you trade for Shaq Mason, you grab Gedeke. I'm calling those even. I, I like this. I, I think it's an A plus. Yeah, I say A plus. Nothing more they really could have done besides Ali Marpet not retiring. You know, now I fan of it. The Shaq Mason trade was like one of the moves of the off season, truthfully. So yeah, uh, fan of the Bucks draft as well. Sweet. Uh, let's get off the Bucks. Let's go to the New Orleans Saints. Second in the division odds at plus 350. Their offseason, interesting, right? They had that surprising loss of Sean Payton. Here comes Dennis Allen. They lose Teron Armstead to a five-year, $75 million contract in Miami. They lose Marcus Williams to a five-year, $70 million contract in Baltimore. Uh, they did bring in Tyron Matthew. They re-signed Jamison Winston. And they bring in Jamison, Jameis Winston, and they signed Marcus May to a pretty healthy contract, three-year, $22.5 million contract. Those are the major free agency moves, free agency losses. Looking to the draft, Mickey Loomis trades pretty much five picks for Chris Olave, and then lands Trevor Penning to what everyone thinks is our biggest needs going to this upcoming offseason outside of quarterback maybe. So they get Chris Olave, they get Trevor Penning. Alante Taylor was their other top 50, top 100 pick. 
I don't love what they did. And their refusal to like really commit to a rebuild, even in this Sean Payton situation, is wild to me. And then to not, double it's down. It's not wild to me. I guess it's not wild <laughs> to me. But I mean, it's not wild knowing Mickey Loomis. But Mickey Loomis continues to shock me. Yeah. Because I thought of any offseason to say, hey, we're going to reset because we're probably going to lose Toronto Armstead. And you know we're gonna we're losing Sean Payton, and we don't have an answer at quarterback. Why not trade up for anything? Why not save some capital? Why not move on from some stars potentially and pick up some trade opportunity and all that stuff? Maybe trade Michael Thomas. I don't know. Why not commit to a legit look ahead rebuild? Instead, they say hey, no. We're gonna try and win a crown here in a division that they're very much likely going to lose. Um, why not chase a crown with Jameis Winston? I don't love their offseason. I didn't love their draft, even though I love Chris Olave. I don't like what they gave up for him. I give it C plus, C plus, maybe even a flat C. No, I'm going to lean into a flat C for the Saints. I, I go a little bit better than that. I, I thought James Winston's contract was fairly team friendly, given how well he played last year. Now, kicking the can was always what they were going to do. They were always going to go rebuild, re-go all in. I, I love what they did at the safety position. Tyron Matthew, Marcus May to replace what they lost, you know, in Malcolm Jenkins and uh, Marcus Williams. Love that. Love those moves, but least fair moves the, the draft desperation like they, they just they may not they're no surefire thing to make the playoffs again next year I, I think they will I would bet money on them doing it but they're not and to give up a future first round pick when that's the case that's just I, I would 4-1 Chris Olave you know was that that desperation right there was not not what I would have done and I think we'll have long-term ramifications on this roster that are unfortunate that's so i gave him a c and i think i could see saints fans hating me mm -hmm. but their their win total set at eight wins over under i i think that's a hard, that's one of my, one of the bets i'm probably avoiding right because i think there's they're probably going to win seven to nine games <laughs> i guess i think it's properly set at eight I, I don't think i'm betting that at all and they still could make the playoffs right i think they could still make the playoffs in the nfc with Jameis winston and the moves that they've made i just don't think it sets them up to be super bowl competitive mm -hmm. are they playoff competitive now that they've you know traded up for Chris Olave, brought in Trevor Penning, maintained Jameis Winston, yes. But are they Super Bowl competitive? No. Like not until you really get answers at quarterback and and reset. Um, and, you know elsewhere is in addition to that. And I do think you have to factor in Sean Payton not being there anymore. Like yeah, that's, that's a huge. massive loss. So yeah. that is huge. All right, next team up is the Carolina Panthers. No, let's go Falcons first. I, I don't want to talk about the Panthers yet. Can we delay that, please? Atlanta, I thought had a really good draft. I like their draft, and I like how they approached. Free agency. Now they burnt the bridge that was the Matt Ryan bridge when they were in the talks with Deshaun Watson trying to make a play for him. So they do right by him and trade him to the Indianapolis Colts. And they don't, you know, they don't double down on trying to go chase a quarterback here. They just signed Marcus Mariota, two year, $18.75 million deal. Uh, they also brought in Casey Hayward to work opposite of AJ Terrell. I really like that move. Resigning Cordero Patterson, I think, was phenomenal. Um, they do do lose Oluwakin to Jacksonville, but there's no reason they should have even paid Oluwakin yeah. that much anyway. Yeah. And they lost Russell Gage to Tampa Bay, which took a baseball bat to their receiving core when combined with the suspension of Calvin Ridley. I think this is a firmly rebuilding team that knows it, right? That's why they only signed Marcus Mariota. That's why they waited to the third round to pick up Desmond Ritter. I like the addition of Drake London. I, I think this was an A-minus offseason for the Atlanta Falcons. I like their draft. I like how they approached um, moving on from Matt Ryan because they knew they weren't going to be Super Bowl competitive with that roster and Matt Ryan. There's a lot of pieces to be, you know, they need a lot. Of, they have a lot of weaknesses on defense. 
the receiving core without Calvin Ridley, without Julio Jones, needs a complete retooling. And the offensive line, they didn't pick up Caleb McGarry's fifth-year option. Like, that still needs help as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jalen Mayfield was the lowest-graded garden lowest football last year. So I, I think they did the best with what they had. It's still a team that is going to be competing for the number one overall pick next year and, and needs a long-term solution at quarterback. Whether that's Ritter, we'll see. They don't have a significant investment in him. But I think they'll be looking at the 2023 class. Yeah, I – I didn't like it as much as you did. I, I like their draft, yes, but I can't get over – you have to factor in the fact that they screwed the pooch on Matt Ryan, re- really missed the yes. boat on him with the deal they gave him, with not being able to get more for him in a trade. For a guy who's still, you know, an above-average starting quarterback in the NFL, a guy who can for sure lead you to the playoffs, I don't know, but Super Bowl, whatnot, but, like, they should have gotten more for return for him in return and should have seen it coming. Like when they traded Julio Jones and, and when they saw that roster back in 2021, they should have seen it coming. That it, this was not going to end well with the state of their cap, with the state of that roster. So the foresight not to see that and then to be involved in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes and miss out, I, I think I have to go a little bit lower than you. I'm going to go with a B for the Atlanta Falcons. But didn't weren't major players in free agency, didn't throw around crazy money. Uh, that's how they should have approached this offseason. So love their draft as well. So we'll go B. Are you ready to talk some Carolina Panthers football? Well, I have to. I got a DM from Zachariah. I'm going to shout him out on Twitter. He has Brian Burns in a Spider-Man stance in his cover photo. He's a big Panthers fan. He said, hey, I love your guys' podcast, but you guys shit on the Panthers every time. Can you just give me a chance? Just give us a chance. You know, I think we need to find ways to talk positively about the Panthers if you can. Now, they do have some consistency at head coach consistency at GM they didn't mm. also fire Matt Rule and Scott Fitterer they're there they lose Hassan Reddick to the Philadelphia Eagles um, they they did re-sign Dante Jackson to a three-year 35 million dollar deal they brought in Austin Corbett the guard from the Los Angeles Rams on a three-year 26 million dollar deal they lost Stefan Gilmore who was you know a, a band-aid solution at quarterback regardless to the Indianapolis Colts and they bring in Xavier Woods the safety from Minnesota those are the major moves they made in free agency in addition to not cutting Sam Darnold, which you and and picking up his fifth year option, which is uh, neither here nor there. And then in the draft, you know, you thought they'd tack quarterback earlier. They wait and and do add Matt Crowell, who apparently was the top quarterback on their board. They only had going into the weekend, I think only one like top one hundred pick, and they trade back up in to uh, the top one hundred to grab Matt Crowell in the third round, the Ole Miss quarterback, and then they grabbed Icky Aquanu at six overall. I don't think it was a disastrous offseason for the Panthers. They're just in a really bad spot. Like this offseason, you could call a B, like maybe a B minus if you wanted to be negative toward their outlook. The only, if I had to highlight my least favorite move, it's the move they made last offseason, right? With Sam Darnold and hitching their wagon to him and picking up his fifth year option yeah. this year. But I mean, it still had ramifications because they lost their team. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it still has ramifications. So I, I don't hate this offseason for them, B, B minus, but like so much is riding on the shoulders of Sam Darnold and or Matt Crowell this upcoming season. Literally the jobs of Rule and Fitterer. Or land, mm-hmm. or if they don't win seven, eight games next year, I think both those guys are gone. And then this thing gets Matt Crowell, no previous regime legacy. He could be on his way out. Sam Darnold's obviously on his way out, and this thing whole gets blown up. But mm-hmm. the offseason itself, in a vacuum, B minus. The last two years put together, an F. I mean, <laughs> could it get worse than what the Carolina Panthers have done over the last two years? Yeah. So, like the moves this offseason, I liked who they signed in Frazier. I like the Xavier Woods signing. I like the Austin Corbett signing. I really like the Matt Ionitis signing. I like not reaching for a quarterback at number six. I liked waiting the third and still getting Matt Corral. Um, but you have to still have to say that a second and third round pick of this year's draft were traded for a guy who is not a good quarterback in the NFL. 
and that's obviously going to impact this still. So I'll go B minus with the Carolina Panthers. B minus, we like it. I think that's the most positive thing we said about the Panthers. Yeah. We we're worried about it, but next division we're going into here is the NFC East. This is where it gets interesting. Dallas Cowboys are the favorite to win this division at plus 110. It was minus 110 before the draft. So a little bit of push here. Now plus 110 for the Dallas Cowboys to win the NFC East. Philadelphia Eagles second at plus 225. Washington Commanders at plus 450. And then the Giants at plus 650. That's how the division lies right now. Starting with the Dallas Cowboys, I think this is going to be one of my lowest grades of the offseason. Off I, I think they lost a lot. Traded Amari Cooper for a fifth-round pick. Lost Lael Collins to the Cincinnati Bengals. Lost Cedric Wilson to the Miami Dolphins. Lost Randy Gregory to the Denver Broncos. Lost Connor Williams to the Miami Dolphins. Those are four big losses. And then you factor in Amari Cooper, five big losses this offseason for the Dallas Cowboys. And I don't think they got objectively better in who they added. Did they re-sign Dorrance Armstrong, Jaron Curse? Yes, but who they added were all low-value players because they couldn't add a lot. They were in a cap situation due to the Ezekiel Elliott contract where they can't spend a lot of money in free agency. And then looking ahead to their draft, Tyler Smith, we love Tyler Smith, but he's a developmental offensive lineman still, and he's not going to outright replace Lael Collins right away. And I didn't love the Sam Williams pick with where they got him. 91st-ranked player on PFF's draft board, picked at 56. Jalen Tolbert's a value, but I don't think overly complimentary to what they have in Michael Gallup. I think they're similar players. I, I worry about this Dallas Cowboys team. If it wasn't for Dak Prescott, the best quarterback in this division by a mile, this team wouldn't be favored to win the NFC East, right? And now that's mm -hmm. not saying a lot. Hey, if they didn't have their quarterback, they wouldn't be favored to win the NFC East. The only thing keeping them afloat is Dak Prescott. And defensively, they have some talent. I disagree with that. Who? I mean, the rest of the the rest of the division is also keeping them afloat. The rest of the division stinks, but Fair. they, have, they okay. have a good offensive line. They still have a good receiving core. They have a one of the best defensive players in the NFL. So, like, it's still a good defense. I, 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 I do think that's selling them short because Dak wasn't even that good down the stretch last year. I don't know. I think if Cooper Rush is the starting quarterback of Dallas Cowboys, I don't think they're favorite to win this division. Which is not saying a lot, but I still think okay. that he's a big reason why they're the favorite because he is the best quarterback of the division by a mile. Yeah. I think this offseason for them was C minus. I think D plus is, is hard to give anyone in the offseason. I think the grading scale is probably C minus to A plus because giving someone a D plus, like someone has to get outright killed. I don't know. Like they, I think that. I, I just don't like what they've done. They got worse. They're one of the few teams this offseason I think that actually got worse. A lot of teams got better this offseason. I don't think they did. Yeah, I was fine with their draft, but I don't think you can go any higher than a C for this because you lost a good right tackle in the NFL, a good, you know, probably a top five right tackle in the NFL, probably a top 20 wide receiver in the NFL for nothing. Nothing. You, you got worse than comp picks for those guys for losing them which is egregious roster mismanagement. And, and like, yeah, those decisions were kind of born out of decisions made before this year. But those, that just, yeah, that can't happen. You can't expect to win championships when you're cutting your best players, when you're getting rid of your best players. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'll lean C minus with you. Love it. On to the Philadelphia Eagles, who I think had a phenomenal offseason. You juxtapose it, right? The Philadelphia Eagles got a lot better this offseason. Love what they did. Obviously trading for A.J. Brown. And that is a pick that they only got by fleecing the New Orleans Saints. You know, getting a few, They got a future first and a 2024 second in their trade for the 18th overall pick and still landed A.J. Brown with that 18th overall pick. And I think they gave up pick 101 as well. But still, a first and a third for A.J. Brown, even for what they paid him, I think was easily my favorite move they made this offseason. And... 
you factor that in with their draft where they had Jordan Davis, they Nicobe um, Dean, I thought was a steal with where they picked him in the third. Cam Jurgens a replacement for Jason Kelsey in the future. This was a slam dunk offseason for the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm going A-plus again. I'm being generous today. <laughs> uh, I, I I did love their offseason. Um, I, I don't think A-plus offseason. I still do think cornerback is a weak spot on this roster outside Darius Slay. And now maybe with the way they set up the defense, you can get by with that. But signing for Hassan Reddick's Hassan Reddick, signing him with his deal instead of one of the cornerbacks, when a lot of cornerbacks were going for cheap this offseason. And now maybe it's not as simple as saying one or the other, but like the way Hassan Reddick's deal is set up, I do not like it. Have you seen the way his deal is set up? No. So it's cheap the next two years, which like to me, that's not really their window. I, I, I like the roster, but I, I still don't believe in Jalen Hurts. Maybe they do. Maybe that's why they have Hassan Reddick here. But I still do think they are a couple years away. His cap hits $20 million in 2024, and they can't cut him. And he has a $14 million dead cap after he's off the roster in 2025. They set it up with massive void year after, this, uh, after he is no longer with the Eagles. And he's really not the kind of edge rusher that I want to be paying. 20 million dollars to or, or that is why guaranteeing 20 million dollars to in two years time so with how inconsistent he's been over the course of his career that's like a he's kind of been like a d ford-esque type of edge rusher where really not that consistent so man that one's i just didn't love that move so that's my least favorite move so i'm going to probably lean like a b plus for them washington commanders next on our list here i'm going to go out and say it this is a d <laughs> this is a d off season for the commanders they lose Brandon Scherf. They weren't going to pay him what they were going to pay him, but regardless, they replace him, signing 30-year-old Andrew Norwell from the Jacksonville Jaguars in a two-year $10, $10 million deal. I think it was good value. They didn't spend a ton in free agency, right? They lose Tim Settle to the Buffalo Bills on a smaller contract. They brought back J.D. McKissick. They bring back Cornelius Lucas. They lost Ioannidis on a very cheap deal to the Panthers. I thought that was a good value by the Panthers. Then you look at the trade for Carson Wentz, and the, they trade for Carson Wentz, a conditional second, which is going to be a second if he plays all the games next year, which he probably is going to and a third, and then you take the entirety of his contract on. So you bring in, I think, a downgrade at quarterback, arguably. I mean, it's not it's not a significant upgrade over Heineke. It's not. Like, he's it's, it's a similarly roller coaster type of player. And then you look at their draft. I thought Jahan Dotson, as much as I like Dotson, was overdrafted at 16. Fidarian Mathis, overdrafted at 47. Brian Robinson Jr., the running back from Bama, overdrafted at 98. Not a fan. Not a fan of this offseason. I don't think they got worse, like wholesale worse. Like Dotson makes this team better. I think Mathis makes this team better. Um, and Carson Wentz, I joke that he's like not an obvious upgrade over Heineke, but it's not significantly worse than what Heineke was, if not slightly better. I just don't think they allocated resources effectively. And that, in my opinion, results in a D offseason for the Washington Commanders. And I didn't like the Commander's name. I think that's a factor. I, I think that I would have liked Red Wolves. Yeah, I I have, I can't disagree. This is one of the worst offseasons of from Carson Wentz trade to their draft picks. Now, Sam Howell pick, probably my favorite move they made all offseason, but there's just not not a ton of redeeming qualities to what they did, sadly, in my eyes. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go D right there with you. Maybe D plus, a little, a little more favorable to the commanders because they got a new name. Got to give them the You the like the commander's name, though? I like the commander's name. No. Over Red Wolves? Well, not over Red Wolves, but... Yeah, I don't understand how they make that mistake. Everyone was like, Red Wolves is the best name. And they're like, yeah, now we're going to go Commanders. All right, New York Giants. Already, I think, going to be clearing the C mark for me by moving on from Gettleman 
and moving on from Judge. And and I like what Joe Shane has done in the draft. I also really like Brian Dable. So I think their their floor for me is a B minus, and we're gonna look at their moves accordingly. They bring in Mark Lewinsky. That was the biggest contract they gave out this offseason. Um in free agency, they give him a three-year, $18 million deal coming over from Indianapolis. They did lose Austin Johnson to the Chargers and then signed Terod Taylor as a backup behind Daniel Jones. Their free agency was not overwhelming. Like they lose Evan Ingram, but he was on a low contract. He wasn't offering a ton either. They did also sign John Feliciano to a low-tier deal, but I like him as a depth player. Same with Justin Ellis coming in on a one-year, $1.2 million deal. In the draft, they had a lot of capital, and I think they maximized it. And I think they, they deserve credit for that. Five and seven, Kayvon Thibodeau, Nevin Neal. That's a dunk. Slam dunk. Slam dunk one, slam dunk two. Alley-oop. Where's Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan? Round two is where I get concerned. Wandale Robinson was overdrafted in this spot. He was the 125th ranked player on PFF's board. I don't like the arm length. I don't like how limited his role is going to be in the NFL, period. He's not going to be an outside receiver in the NFL. 5'8", 179 with sub 29-inch arms is sub unprecedented. Sub 28. That's insane to me. So I didn't like that second round pick, and that keeps this from getting anywhere near an A. But I think it's a firm B for the for the uh, New York Giants. See, I think that's too harsh. It's uh, still a second round pick. Um, I'm going to go A minus because uh, I love that they went hard reset, kind of by not just saying, you know, uh, that James Bradbury is a good player. We want him on our roster. Not not biting that bullet, realizing that you are better off with where you are as a team and where you are as a franchise with that cap space. Yeah. And with just hitting reset on a lot of uh, positions this offseason in that regard and then only using the one contract you signed to solidify your off the line because obviously that's where you need to hit or that's, that's what has to improve for anyone to succeed at quarterback, whether it is Daniel Jones or whether it is someone that they bring in next year. So A- minus for me because obviously the first picks five and seven I like, but yeah, at least fair move for me going to be the Wandell Robinson. Maybe B is too harsh. Pick. I'm going to bump mine up to a B plus. I'm not going A, okay. though. Wandell Robinson Fair. is driving it down. All right, NFC West. Los Angeles Rams. They, I think, have had a very underrated offseason. They're the favorite to win the division at plus 125. 49ers are second at plus 190. Uh, Arizona Cardinals plus 330. And then the Seahawks are not even close. It's, it's not even worth bringing up. But they're plus 1,600 to win the NFC West. And for the Los Angeles Rams... I think everyone highlights that they lost Andrew Whitworth and they lost Von Miller, mm -hmm. which is rough, right? Miller goes to the Buffalo Bills, Andrew Whitworth retires. Those are two of the best players that they had on that team last year. They also aren't going to have Odell Beckham Jr., who's hurt, and maybe they do resign him, but still he's not going to play for the first half of the season. But I really like the addition of Allen Robinson. I really like the addition of Bobby Wagner. Um, I think those are marquee additions that kind of got swept under the rug. Allen Robinson... And Cooper Cup, I think, is a good combination. I think the offensive line with note boom there takes a step back instead of Whitworth, but still. The other the other losses, though, I think that need to be called out, Austin Corbett or Austin Corbett to the um, Panthers. Darius Williams goes to the Jaguars. And they lose Okoronkwo, who I think is a breakout candidate for the Houston Texans. He was, he was impressive. I was looking back on some edge rushers last night in the NFL. I think 27 years old, goes to Houston Texans on a one-year prove-it deal. He had some flashes for, for the Rams last year as a designated I'm surprised they let him. I'm surprised they let him go. So, Okoronko, you lose him as well. How little he signed for. Looking ahead to the draft, they didn't have a lot of draft picks. And that was, um, you know, it's hard to give them anything in the draft. Logan Pross. No, I have not heard Sam Watson. They have a lot of draft picks. They're just late in the draft. Come on. Come on, Austin. What do you mean by, oh, I guess they do have a lot. Well, Logan Bruss, Jacoby Durant, Kyron Williams, Quentin Lake, Darian Kendrick, Daniel Hardy, Russ Yeast, and A.J. Arkery aren't doing it for me. I think this offseason is, is, 
it's hard not to give them credit for what they've done, you know, like what they already had. And they're coming off the Super Bowl, but I give it a B minus. Losing Von Miller and Whitworth sucks. And Odell Beckham Jr. too is not great. And they did lose some other pieces like Arcaronquo and um, Corbett. But I don't think, I think adding Robinson and Wagner mitigates some of that. And they still have Matthew Stafford. They still have Sean McVay. They retained. You got to give them credit for retaining some of these guys too. I'm going B minus for the Rams. Yeah, I'm going to go flat B. I think they deserve some credit for the Joseph Noteboom resigning. Now, maybe technically that doesn't count because it was before the new league year. But three years, $40 million for a talent like him at left tackle, doesn't that doesn't come out. That doesn't come out a lot. Like that's a that's a steal of a contract. Now, obviously, I didn't love them losing Darius Williams. Probably my least favorite move. Um, but like you said, a lot of their picks went to guys who were very impactful in the Super Bowl run last year, Matthew Stafford. So give them credit for that as well. So B. B for the Los Angeles Rams. San Francisco 49ers. Can we first start by talking about the 49ers and what you think they should do at quarterback? What should they do? No. I don't want to talk about it. Should they go Trey Lance or should they go Jimmy Garoppolo? This, are you serious? They should go Trey Lance. Yes. Like, what What are you – what are we debating here? What, debating what, that why Jimmy, Garoppolo's, Jimmy Garoppolo's still on the roster and making, like, the most money of any backup quarterback in the NFL if he stays? So I was on Locked On 49ers the other day, and Eric Crocker does great work, former cornerback, put it to me like this. They see Jimmy Garoppolo as a competent starting NFL quarterback, and they just do not want – to give away a competent starting NFL quarterback for nothing. Like, they, they just do not feel as if cutting a competent NFL starting quarterback, even at his cap number, is good business, which I don't hate the thought of that, but it, it is kind of putting Trey Lance in a weird situation or just, like, the conversation around Trey Lance in a weird situation. Maybe behind the scenes he feels completely comfortable and the locker with room, what they've though, told him. Like, well, I mean, maybe, the, like I said, maybe behind the scenes they've told him and everyone feels completely comfortable with where they're at because they have said that they're trying to trade Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, they have notably said that, they want Trey Lance to be their guy. So I, I do think that it's a weird situation, but obviously everyone in all signs are pointing to Trey Lance. So Talking to Chris on his podcast, and he obviously doing Sunday Night Football, talks to a lot of people in the league. He's like, the locker room in San Francisco is infatuated with Jimmy Garoppolo. Like they love Jimmy Garoppolo and feel that he is the better quarterback. And like you, you can't have that and him still be on the roster, and then you expect people to, like, wholesale change to Trey Lance. Like, because yeah. guess what? The, the the players in San Francisco who aren't looking at, like, future, oh, we traded future first for Trey Lance. They look at it as, like, who the human being is and who the player is. Like, hey, Jimmy Garoppolo gives us the best chance to win. I don't care what you trade for him. That's all your trash. I want the guy who's going to win his football games. And if you have that, that's going to make things difficult. I do think it's it's a harder conversation with him on the roster, which is what makes it surprising why he's still on the roster. Looking at their offseason, um, they bring in Traverius Ward on a meaty contract, three years, $40.5 million coming over from the Kansas City Chiefs. They lose Lincoln Tomlinson and DJ Jones to the Jets and Denver Broncos, respectively. Um, those are kind of the major deals in free agency that they made. Um, they did lose Arden Key, who I know some people um, liked as a breakout candidate from this upcoming season, and they bring in Oren Burks from the Packers, another uh, another team or another move that some people liked in free agency. In the draft, no first-round pick because Trey Lance is on the roster. In the second round, they bring in Drake Jackson, who a lot of people liked on day two, the USC edge defender. We gave it an elite grade in the draft tracker at pff.com. And then we really didn't like the Tyrion Davis price pick. He was ranked 172 on PFS draft board. They pick him at 93. I really liked the Danny Gray pick. And it was also very validating because I like Danny Gray and Shanahan scouts receivers probably better than anybody. And him liking Danny Gray is helpful. The SMU wideout. Their offseason to me, I think keeping Debo Samuel, you need to bring that up in this conversation. I think it's firmly a B plus. Really? B plus. I, I I can't go that quite that high. I'm going to go a little bit lower. I'm going to go B minus. I, I like the Shavarius Ward signing. 
but that's probably my favorite move that they did make. Three years, $40 million. It's not a ton, and it's a good scheme fit for them. But this O-line's looking tough. Losing Lakin Tomlinson, not backfilling. Alex Mack being in this like mid-30s, being your best interior player. Aaron Banks having an outstart. And Mike McGlinch coming back from a torn quad. This could be a bad O-line next year. It, it very well could be. We just kind of assume, you know, Kyle Shanahan always oh, going to make magic and have a good O-line. It might not be. And so that, to me, uh, is the worrisome thing about the moves they made this offseason is that this O-line could go in the tank really quickly. And I've torn my quad before. That, that, ain't, that is no fun rehab. Uh, and my right quad is still not the same after tearing it. So uh, no sure thing that Mike Lynch comes back himself. So, yeah, this is uh, – I go B minus. That's interesting. So, what's your read on you know betting them plus one ninety to win this division? Betting their win total. Their win total's high. Like yeah. they are, I think, set at ten right now. Are you betting over ten wins if the San Francisco Forty Nineers? I lean fading the Niners this year, just due in large part to if they are starting Trey Lance, that's a lot of uncertainty. That mm-hmm. is, even if we liked him as a prospect, even if you think oh one year in the system he's going to be better than you think. 10 wins for essentially a rookie quarterback with an offensive line that has taken a step back. That is concerning. I don't know. 10 wins is a bit rich for me. In a tough division, too. Like, Arizona's no slouch. And obviously, you like the favorite in that division, the Rams. I don't know. 10 wins is rich for the Niners next year. We shall see. We shall see. Uh, Cardinals. No DeAndre Hopkins for the first six games. I don't know how much you can factor that in to their offseason grade, but it is a factor. Uh, they make the big trade for Marquise Brown after letting Christian Kirk uh, sign with the Jacksonville Jaguars to a four-year, $72 million deal. They also lose Chandler Jones, which I think is more important than even losing Kirk. Like, that pass rush is scary without Chandler Jones. He signs with the Las Vegas Raiders. Some additions that they made, Chase Edmonds. Or no, Chase Edmonds is another loss. Yeah, they lose Chase Edmonds and they lost Jordan Hicks. A lot of losses in free agency. And they lost Jordan Phillips in the draft. They bring in Marquise Brown, but they made, they traded a first-round pick for him. I don't love their free agency. I don't love their draft. I don't love where they're at right now. I'm concerned with the Arizona Cardinals. I think they firmly are right to you know be the favorite to finish third in this division. You know they don't have a first-round pick after the Marquise Brown trade. They get Trey McBride at 55, the Colorado State tight end, San Diego State legend Cameron Thomas at 87, and then MyJ Sanders at 100. Those were their top 100 picks. This is a C-minus offseason for the Cardinals, and that includes you know, the trade for Marquise Brown um, and, and even the extensions they gave to Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury, which they did this offseason as well. Yeah. Um, I, I don't love this offseason so much so that my favorite move from them was honestly the Hollywood Brown trade. <laughs> that was my <laughs> favorite move that they made. Yeah. And, and obviously letting Kirk, Christian Kirk go for that sort of number. So, yeah, I... I can't give this high grade. My least favorite, I mean, letting Chandler Jones go, but more just like getting in this cap situation that you couldn't re-sign him. Yeah. And the reason they weren't major players, the reason we're not talking about a bunch of moves, is because even with Kyler Murray only making $11 million, cap hit of $11 million, they are as tight to the cap as anyone in the NFL this year because they're paying guys like Jordan Phillips $13 million against the cap. That's absurd. DJ Humphreys nearly $20 million counting against the cap this year. They just they gave out some bad contracts. Rodney Hudson almost thirteen million. Like they have some bad contracts there. So and then you factor in those bad contracts with Steve Kimes still having the longest leash of any GM in the NFL. So yeah, that's it's. I also don't think I'd probably say I've, C plus. For this I've offseason. brought this on Kingsbury before. 
But I think the most egregious stat against Kingsbury, and I was doing this in preparation, or looking at this in preparation for the Mina Kimes podcast because she wanted to talk about Kime and Kurt Cliff. Mm-hmm. Over the last two seasons, DeAndre Hopkins has played 92% of his snaps at exclusively left outside receiver. So you're like, okay, yeah, he plays left receiver. What? The next closest receiver in terms of percentage snaps played at left receiver is 66%. Like his arm and leg just more predictable than any other receiver usage. And that's one of the best receivers in the NFL. Christian Kirk at right receiver was the other most obvious at right receiver playing 88%. Like he I played think slot last year, I thought. No, no, 88%. Or it was over the last two seasons, though. I'm saying over the last okay. two seasons. Um, he's played, I think, over 88% of his reps from outside. Like he at outside right receiver. I think the predictability in that offense with Kirk, who the Jags obviously value highly, and Hopkins, who the entire league values, just doesn't make a ton of sense. And he wanted Andy Isabella and hasn't leveraged him necessarily. And he wanted Rondell Moore. I wasn't impressed with what they did. I, I, I worry about the Arizona Cardinals. The only thing I like about them, not the only thing, but Cliff Kingsbury, or, or Kyler Murray's keeping them afloat. And he knows that, and he's pressuring them with contracts because of that. Well, you have a top 10 quarterback on a rookie deal, what everyone's looking for, and they haven't won a playoff game with him. Made the playoffs once. That's so. disastrous. Yeah. Seahawks, the Seattle Seahawks, last in this division. They trade away Russell Wilson for a bevy of picks and commit to a rebuild with the oldest coach in the NFL. I think that I bring that up every single time because it is interesting. It's interesting that Pete Carroll's going to commit to what is going to be at least two to three seasons before they're deep playoff competitive again. And that's answers at the quarterback position they need. They need to add talent at multiple positions offensively and defensively. I didn't hate the Russell Wilson trade from a process standpoint, especially when you you know, look at some of the reports about the relationship that they had and him falling off towards the back half of last season. And I really like their draft. Kenneth Walker at nine, Boye Mafe at 40, even Kenneth Walker at 41, overdrafted versus where PFF would grab a running back, but still a talented, talented football player. Abraham Lucas was, I thought someone could go in the second round, they get in the third. Good draft. Trading Russell Wilson, I think was a positive in terms of investing in a rebuild and how you maximize his value. And then free agency, they didn't you know spend all that massively, right? They lose Bobby Wagner to Los Angeles Rams. They lose DJ Reed to the New York Jets. Their biggest signing was Uchenna and Wosun. It was just a two-year, $19 million deal. So I do think that they're rebuilding right. That doesn't mean it's not a rebuild. I give this an A-. I, I don't know. I think A- is a little... I guess maybe losing Russell Wilson. You traded away Russell Wilson. <laughs> maybe now, that's a, no, that's a, uh, truthfully, to get what they got in return for Russell Wilson, I thought it was a good move. So uh, I will go... Flat B. My least favorite move was, I don't know what the hell they were doing. Why did they even sign Shenny and Wilson? Like, you have a bunch of young defensive ends on that roster. Why are you, why are you even using cap space? You're an awful team. He's not moving the needle for you. Two years, $20 million. He's a USC like, guy, though. Yes, <laughs> that he is. But um, I thought it was just a solid start to a rebuild. Nothing special. So I'll go B. I'm going B+. I'm going B+. I think A- is rich when you lose Russell Wilson in the offseason. All right. Before we get into the AFC, we are cruising here. Going to remind everyone that this podcast is sponsored by Sunday, not the day, the lawn mowing extraordinaire that is Sunday. Do you, does your lawn have weeds, bear patches even, pet spots? Does your apartment have pet spots? Sunday can help you solve all these problems and more the easy way. They've got everything you need from fertilizer to seeds to weed control, and it's all delivered right to your door. Sunday can help you grow a beautiful lawn with the, without the guesswork or the nasty chemicals. Their custom plans include fertilizer and everything you need to easily care for your lawn. You can feel good with kids and pets being around. Just attach the ready-to-use pouch to garden hose and spray. It takes less than 15 minutes. And Sunday is offering our listeners 20% off. Full season plans start at 129 bucks, and you can get 20% off at checkout when you get when you visit getsunday.com slash tailgate. That's 20% off your custom plan at get Sunday. Get Sunday dot com slash tailgate 
AFC. Starting it. with Mike Quinn's Cincinnati Bengals of the AFC North. They are not the favorites to win the division, Mike, but we are going to start with them. They are second behind the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns the favorite at plus 175, Bengals at plus 200, Ravens at plus 225, and Steelers at plus 800. One of the tightest divisions through the first three. AFC West is similar, but NFC North, or AFC North, excuse me, Browns at plus 175, Bengals at plus 200, and Ravens at plus 225. Those are tight, tight odds. Looking at the Bengals offseason, I really like what they did in free agency. You have to say, you have to come out of free agency thinking that this was a slam dunk. To get Alex Kappa and Lael Collins and Ted Karras all in free agency, veteran offensive linemen, at the deals they even got, which they paid a decent amount for, like they paid to upgrade their offensive line, was exactly what I think they needed to do in their approach instead of like maybe doubling down on on the draft and stuff like that. They do lose CJ Ozama, who I know is a big locker room presence to the New York Jets, but their three big signings, Kappa, Collins, and Karras, filled massive needs for a team that was in the Super Bowl last year. That's an A in and of itself, their offseason. Capitalizing on Leo Collins getting cut, LFG. In the draft, they didn't have to lock into offensive line. They ended up grabbing largely BPA at where they were in the first round with Daxton Hill at 31. I also really like the Cam Taylor-Britt signing where, or draft pick where they got him at 60. After that, Zachary Carter, I wasn't a huge fan of his tape. Cordell Volson, you know, some see his value at 136. And then Tyson Anderson was one of my favorite day three safeties. But this offseason was made in the investments they made in the offensive line and in drafting Daxton Hill at 31. Those are the big pieces of their offseason. I... This is one of the one a few I have a few teams here from the AFC that I said there was an offseason move they made that would, I even put on the least favorite. There's no least favorite move here. I, I love the way they revamped their offensive line. I love their approach to the draft. This was an A plus offseason. Uh, no really no way to sugarcoat it. And and like the low key move that I loved was letting CJ Uzama walk to get Hayden Hurst. Like I think that I think that could be an upgrade, truthfully. Wow. Not, not to say it's definitely going to be an upgrade, but $3.5 million for Hayden Hurst. Someone just traded a second for him two years ago. Falcons did. And then criminal underutilized him because they drafted Kyle Pitts. I, 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 I was a big fan of their offseason. A-plus for me as well. Cincinnati Bengals getting A-pluses in the offseason after going to the Super Bowl? Should we get our tickets now? Where's the Super Bowl next year? That's a good question. I should know. But I, I don't, don't know. Vegas? When is it in Vegas? Maybe. Is it? I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, look it up while I look going to this next team. Cleveland Browns are next here. Um, or no, you want to go in a different Back to Arizona. Glendale. Oh, Glendale. All right. Cleveland Browns, plus 175. Favorites to win the division. Their big offseason move, obviously bringing in Deshaun Watson. They traded a shitload of picks for him and paid him a shitload of money. To do it, they didn't do much else in free agency. Uh, they signed Jakeem Grant to a three or $10 million deal. That's the biggest contract that they handed out. And lost Austin Hooper, the Tennessee Titans, on a one-year $6 million deal. It wasn't all that massive. They also decided to move on from Jarvis Landry. Uh, J.C. Treader is still a free agent. But I, I don't know. I, I, it wasn't a big offseason out, you know, free agency or veteran movement mm -hmm. outside of the Deshaun Watson trade. And that was obviously largely their draft, right? They, they trade, um, trade away their first-round pick. They don't have the 13th overall pick because of that Watson trade. In round three, Martin Emerson, the 68th overall pick, they also grabbed Alex Wright at 78 and then David Bell at 99. That was their round three. And then Perry on Winfrey at 108 was probably my favorite pick or one of my favorite picks in that spot, but still doesn't feel a need that they have along that defensive line. That's run defense. Perry on Winfrey is more of a penetrating, pass rushing, defensive tackle, not a run defender. They got a lot better at the quarterback position. They're going to move on Baker Mayfield soon. I don't know what percentage of the contract that they pay. It's hard to grade given the situation that you're obviously coming with, that he's still facing active you know, legal lawsuits and all that stuff. But they got significantly better due to the players that they added, specifically Deshaun Watson. I give it probably a B plus. 
yeah, I'll give it an A. I mean, it was a good offseason from an on-field perspective, that is. The Amari Cooper trade, my favorite move of it. That was an insane steal to get him for a fifth. Oh, I didn't even factor that um, in. Yeah, the Amari so, Cooper trade's big. Yeah, I mean, to completely revamp what this offense could be. It's an A. Least favorite move. I mean, they, they actually didn't make too many signings, you know, really big free signing splash moves in that regard. I think this Baker Mayfield situation is probably my least favorite, like how – they kind of got left I think uh, that's fair. at the altar with no real recourse and may end up having to cut them, but still it's, it was from a pure on field perspective, a good off season for the Browns. Pittsburgh Steelers. They signed James Daniels. That was one of the biggest contracts they handed out in free agency. They also brought in miles Jack on a two year, $16 million deal linebacker from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Who's still only 26 years old. Uh, they also signed Mason Cole, another offensive lineman. So that's James Daniels and Mason Cole and signed Mr. Trubisky in free agency, who should be competing for a starting spot with Kenny Pickett, their first-round pick at 20th overall. Underrated signing for the uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers, too. Levi Wallace, two-year, $8 million deal. I like that cornerback coming over from Buffalo, also 26 years old. They do lose Juju Smith-Schuster, but we'll see. I think they can mitigate that with the receiving core yeah, that they have. In the draft, Kenny Pickett at 20, George Pickens at 52, which if – he sees the football field and plays. I think it's going to be awesome. But the conversations we've had in the office from about Pickens off field is interesting. I think it's a, it's a reason he fell, not the on field stuff. And then DeMarvin Leal at eighty four, I thought was a value. This was a guy that was you know hyped as a top ten pick going into last year. And then even Calvin Austin at one thirty eight, I think is a steal. I think he should have been hyped up similarly as to where we saw Rendell Moore come off the board coming out of Purdue, where he went in the second round to the Arizona Cardinals. So I really like their draft. I think their offseason was smart. They are a team that doesn't have an obvious answer at quarterback. Really like their coaching staff. That maintains intact. I think this is a B-plus offseason for the Steelers. See, I got to go a little bit lower because the quarterback moves were just – I didn't like them. They were not good. They, they are not solved there by any means. And obviously that weighs heavily on how I viewed Kenny Pickett as a prospect, but not a lot of people saw this quarterback class out. I don't think I was the only one who saw Kenny Pickett that much lower. Uh, than where he went at 20th overall. And obviously, Mitch Trubisky ain't upgrading quarterback situation either. So that's probably my least favorite move. Favorite moves, though, I mean, James Daniel signing was good. The Miles Jack signing was good. The draft after the first round, I really liked. So I think I'm just going to go flat B for them just because quarterback's still the most valuable position. Kind of take that out of the equation, and I lean more towards the A range. Next is the Baltimore Ravens, who are plus 225 to win this division. Lamar Jackson's still a quarterback there in Baltimore. I know there was some conversation around when he'll get extended, but he's still there. He loses Marquise Brown, though. That was a big trade, but they do pick up a first-round pick in that. We'll get to the draft. They signed Marcus Williams over from the Saints on a five-year, $70 million deal. They also bring in Morgan Moses, off the tackle from the Jets, on a three-year, $15 million deal. Resigned Calais Campbell, the monster in the middle for them, and also resigned Patrick Ricard. I like their draft a lot, and everyone liked their draft. You know, everyone liked the Baltimore Ravens draft. Kyle Hamilton at 14, Linderbaum at 25, Ajabo at 45, Travis Jones at 76, Daniel Falele at 110, even Jordan Stout at 130. This was a really good draft for the Baltimore Ravens. I love the process of moving on from Marquise Brown for a first-round pick. I don't think there are a lot of teams that could have done that with Marquise Brown. A-plus, no, I won't do that. I still think I would – you know, they still need to do – make some moves, I think – giving as much money as they did to Marcus Williams, I wasn't like overwhelmingly excited about. I think this receiving core is concerning now that Marquise Brown is gone. I'm going to go flat A for the Baltimore Ravens. And and it's closer to an A- minus than it is an A+. I'm going to go A+. Uh, I Not a lot of moves I can disagree with. Even 
you know, the Hollywood Brown trade from their perspective was fantastic. Their draft, where they, the players they got, where they got them, one of our favorites. So, and, and then even their free agency, I, I like the Marcus Williams move. He's a top 10 safety in the NFL, pretty quite clearly. And we've said safeties are undervalued in terms of the contracts they're getting. So like that, like the Morgan Moses move, the Calais Campbell move, like there's really not a lot to point to. The only thing you could really say is, yeah, they still don't have a great receiving core. Do not have a good number two. I still think there is time to rep, remedy that. And I think they will. So if they don't, feel free to bump it down to an A, but I think they will still give them an A+. Plus. AFC South. The, I believe, Indianapolis Colts are the favorites to win this division uh, at plus 100. Tennessee Titans at plus 150. Jags at plus 650. And the Texans are, it's a prayer if they're going to win this division at plus 2,500. Starting with the Indianapolis Colts, they obviously trade for Matt Ryan, which I think is an upgrade, excuse me, an upgrade over what they had in Carson Wentz. They only traded a third-round pick for him. That's good business. They also added Stephon Gilmore in a two-year deal. They, um... Didn't make any major signings in free agency beyond that. They traded for Matt Ryan. They signed Stephon Gilmore. Those are like their big moves. Big losses. Glowinski, the guard going to the Giants. Odom, the safety going to San Francisco. But still not like major losses for this Colts team. In the draft, I wasn't like in love with their draft. But they also didn't have a lot of picks, right? They didn't pick until pick 53. They grabbed Alec Pierce, which I think we didn't have him viewed that highly. I think that's an overdraft according to PFF's board. They also added Jelani Woods, the tight end from... Virginia, Bernard Raymond, the tackle from Central Michigan. They went offense, 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 trying to prop up this bet on Matt Ryan. And then in the back half here, Curtis Brooks was a value pick I liked. I also like where they picked Nick Cross, the safety from Maryland, at 96. Colts, to me, this has got to be an A offseason, given the situation that they're in, right? Like, they were going from Carson Wentz missing the playoffs after a disastrous finish at Jacksonville to getting an upgraded quarterback for just a third-round pick, still having a really talented roster. And maybe you disagree with some of the value of where they picked their players, but still added talent on the offensive side of the ball in Pierce, Woods, and Raymond. I think this is an A-minus offseason for the Colts. I, yeah, I think it would have been an A-plus had we not had the Carson Wentz trade to begin with. And But they did a great job of mitigating that by – getting nearly what they gave up in return yeah. from the commanders. Love the Stephen Gilmore signing. The fleecing for Matt Ryan. Those two moves were fantastic. And there really wasn't like a least favorite move. There wasn't something that they did that I didn't love. Uh, the Pierce draft. Uh, well, they also the traded Rock Yassine for Yannick yeah, Ngakwe, yeah. which I think which was like, good value. I do that trade in a heartbeat myself. So, And then like backfill with Stephon Gilmore. So an upgrade at that position. So. Yeah, I thought it was a very good offseason. Again, if they didn't have to make the Carson Wentz deal, it's an A+, plus, but since they did, we'll just go A. I think that's fair. I went A-, minus, but Tennessee Titans, plus 150. They lose A.J. Brown this offseason in their trade. Um, in that, and, and what they gave up, you know, what they gave, what they got in return, they drafted Traylon Burks at 18. Now, I don't know. I don't know how much I like that move, but it, looking more specifically at free agency for the Tennessee Titans, Roger Saffold, they lose Roger Saffold on a one-year deal. That's kind of like one of the bigger losses that they had. They bring in Austin Hooper. They bring in Jamarco Jones. They weren't really big players in free agency. It was well, they re-signed Harold Landry right before free yeah. agency, too. Re-signed Harold Landry. Pick 18, Traylon Burks. Oh, after the trade, they grabbed Roger McCreary, the cornerback from Auburn at 35, Nicholas Petit-Friere at 69, and then Malik Willis at 86, which in a lot of ways like saved their draft, right? A mm -hmm. huge value pick at 86 with where they're at the quarterback position too. Not necessarily evaluating Ryan Tannehill, but knowing that I mean, that contract situation is going to come up in the near future. 
it's a mixed bag for me in Tennessee, right? This is they had the first round bye with Mike Rabel last year, and I don't think they got objectively better. Losing AJ Brown and replacing with Traylon Burks doesn't make you better. You know, I think this is worrisome in a division that they're not even the favorites to win now. Indianapolis Colts at plus one hundred, they're at plus one fifty. Yeah, I got to go C plus for this. It's just the the favorite move, obviously Malik Willis. That draft saves it to a degree. But the A.J. Brown trade, even the Harold Landry, and I love Landry coming out. I, I think they overpaid a little bit there for a guy who, I, I mean, he's important to that defense because of how much of a weapon he is on stunts and things like that. But he really hasn't been that dominant type of one-on-one rusher that is worth that kind of deal. It's a similar things to what we said about Bud Dupree. Now, again, that defense, now it's operating, doesn't ask him to do that as much. So for them, it's a fit, but... There's just not a lot of real plus moves that they made this offseason, in my opinion. The next team is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Ooh, do we have to? Can we just... Wait, what was your official grade on Titans? C+. Plus. I think C+, plus is where I'm going to lean as well. Jacksonville Jaguars, A+, plus already, moving on from Urban Meyer? No, it was, the, it was the obvious decision that the Jaguars had to do. I think bringing in Doug Peterson helps. In free agency, did not love what they did. They paid a lot of money for Christian Kirk. They paid a lot of money for Brandon Scherf. They paid a lot of money for Foya said or Foya Luikim. They also three year thirty million dollar deal for Darius Williams. You know, three year thirty million dollar thirty million dollar deal for Foley Fatukasi. Three year twenty four million dollar deal for Zay Jones. They paid a lot of money for players that I think are upgrades compared to what they had in the roster, but not significant ones, not ones that are making them deep playoff, deep postseason competitive. I don't know. I, I, I worry about the strategy in Jacksonville and how they approach free agency. I thought it was overly aggressive with players that I wasn't, you know, outside of Scherf, right? Which deal of those deals do you like the most? Kirk, Scherf, Aluakin, Williams, or Fatukasi, or Zay Jones? Because all of them got $20 Fatikasi. million plus on three-year deals. Fatukasi is the only one I like there. And, and Darius Williams. Fatukasi and Williams. Those are the best two moves. Yikes. But this is, it was an F offseason. It was an F offseason. Going F. It, for as much money as they paid, mm-hmm. this is not a playoff team still. It's not. Yeah. You paid the most money of any team in the NFL, had top five draft capital of any team in the NFL. Or it was, it was top 10. It wasn't top five. Top 10 draft capital of any team in the NFL. And I would be surprised if they get to 500 next year. That's – they're going to be cutting half their roster yet again, like they did back when they went on the spending spree in 2017, was it? In two years. They're just going to be. They picked Trayvon Walker at number one overall, who's the 12th-ranked player on PFS draft board. We're not going to love that pick. Devin Lloyd, they traded back up into the first round to get, who's a good player, but still low-value position where they already added linebackers. Oh. Foya Luke, and then they drafted Chad Muma in the third, like another linebacker. Luke Fortner, interior offensive lineman from Kentucky at 65. He was the 105th-ranked player on PFS draft board. Hard to come out of this with anything higher than a D, D minus. I mean, I like the Urban Meyer firing. I think outside of that. That would happen already, though. That was last season. That's technically not <laughs> I guess that's off true. Season. I guess I'm going down to an F. An F off season for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Do not put that on a social graphic. Please, God, we do not need to be um, Jacksonville. The city of Jacksonville does not need to be at us like that. Tennessee, no. Houston Texans off season, Starting with free agency. They weren't massive players. I thought it was going to be an offseason where we saw them lose Laramie Tunsil and Brandon Cooks. They didn't trade away those players. Uh, you know, biggest contract that they handed out was a two-year, $9 million deal with Steven Nelson. So they are not spending a lot, kind of committing to this multi-year rebuild where they're not going to be spending big. They lose Justin Reed to a three-year, $31.5 million contract to the Chiefs. They lose Jake Martin 
to a three or $13 million contract to the Jets. But still, don't spend big in free agency. And in the draft, they had a lot of BPA, right? They go after Derek Stingley Jr., one of our favorite picks, you know, early in this draft. They also added um, Jalen Petrie at 37, which is a value. Kenyon Green, I didn't love. He wasn't even a top 32 player on my board. You ranked 39th. I didn't like that pick, but still having Stingley, Green, Petrie, and then Mechie as your first four picks. Even Christian Harris, where they got him, wasn't terrible. It's a good offseason for the Texans. They still don't have an answer at quarterback, and they have a bad roster, but even still keeping Cooks and Tunsil as they did, I think this is an A-, minus, and largely that minus being the Kenyon Green pick because it was just a bit overvalued with where I saw them. Yeah, fine, going A-, minus, and yeah, the Kenyon Green pick, whatever. Um, not going to ding him too hard for that. I have this 39th player on the board, I still still think he's a good player. But just a little reach, Stingley pick I loved. And, again, I love that they're not aggressive in free agency. You know, they weren't yeah. taking their pants. They weren't the Jags. Yeah, weren't the Jags. So, yeah. Uh, Buffalo Bills, favorite to win the division in the AFC East at minus 175. Dolphins at plus 400. I think that dropped after the Tua Tonga Vailoa video that came out yesterday. It was plus 300 yesterday. No, just kidding. Uh, Patriots at plus 400. And then the Jets at plus 1,800. Bills, rifle favorite. They win that division as long as Josh Allen, Josh Allen stays healthy. I also I like their approach in the draft. You know, they didn't go running back at 25. They're bringing Kyrie Elam. I think that's a win. Adding Von Miller to that pass rush is another win. I, I, I think that was the biggest contract that they handed out, some of that being void years. Uh, they did lose Harrison Phillips, but they brought in Daquan Jones, defensive tackle from Carolina. I think it was a average to above average offseason, or free agency specifically for the Buffalo Bills, specifically when you add the Von Miller selection. And then the draft, they just didn't make any mistakes, right? Drafting a running back at 25 would have been a mistake. Where they got James Cook, I think, is a value at 63. That is a good offseason for already a fantastic football team. They have every right to be the favorites to go to the Super Bowl in the AFC, and right now they are the Super Bowl favorites to win it all. I think it's an A offseason for the Bills. Yeah, I, I'm going to go a little lower, A-. minus. Um, I still like their offseason. I, I do worry that their offensive line, like they went and spent money this offseason, but still the offensive line could be bad. You know, Roger Saffold at 34 years old, I'm not sure he's fixing what's broken on this interior offensive line. And they have options, sure. And then they have guys who maybe could develop. But it's still, like I said, it's, it still was their downfall too many times last year. And I'm not sure it's necessarily better. So uh, I'm going to go A-. minus. The Patriots offseason, I'm interested to see or hear your take on it. Because last offseason, they spent a ton of money and brought in a ton of players. And then this offseason, they lose J.C. Jackson. They lose Ted Karras. They lose Brent, uh, and that's kind of the two bigger moves that they lost. They did re-sign Trent Brown and re-sign Juwan Bentley, but to middling contracts, they were not big spenders this offseason wow. uh, for, for the reasons that they spent a lot last offseason. And it's what we say. Free agency happens every single year. Players become free agents. So... Yeah, sure. You got a lot of good players last year, but now you have none. Uh, now you got no more. Now you had no money to, to plug the holes in your roster. So it's why we do not advocate for spending sprees like that. And most teams end up regretting spending sprees like that because all of a sudden holes pop up. Some free agents don't turn out the way you think they are, and you need to replace them and need to have the flexibility to do so. And now the Patriots do not have that flexibility. And then you go to their draft. Cole Strange at 29, massive reach. Tyquan Thornton, a massive reach according to the PFF board at 50. Marcus Jones was my favorite pick of their draft, but still, you're getting a slot corner, you know, a, a thin one. And then Jack Jones, another thin corner. They had two running backs in this draft, a backup QB in this draft. It's not an F because I don't think I will ever be smart enough to give Bill Belichick an F. For don't do he that. Does. No, don't do that. You don't don't be that guy. Okay. As if someone can't make 
bad moves because they know football. All I've right. made dumb shit calls and I. Then I am gonna go. I'm gonna go F. I think this is an F off season for the Patriots. Okay, they I are not, go F, They're one of the few teams. They're one of the few teams that I don't like. I said the Dallas Cowboys. I don't think got better. I don't think the Patriots got better. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I don't. But it didn't. Yeah. And like losing what they did too. Like I. I it's hard to say. You know, losing J.C. Jackson and Ted Karras, and not adding objectively better players in their spots, that is not getting better. And um, that's worrisome. I, I worry a ton about this receiving core. This receiving core is not good. Yeah. Even with the Devontae yeah. Parker trade, it's not good. That was probably my favorite move, though, of the offseason. Or re-signing Trent Brown for two years, $13 million, which I think he can play or outplay very easily. So I'm not going to go that low. Uh, the only way I'd go that low when you're like going F is when you're overspent, when, when you're throwing money, because okay. that's how you lose in the NFL. Like you lose or get into you know a cycle of losing by paying bad players a lot of money. Kind of how we saw just with the Giants. And they, they traded did. Shaq Mason though. Like, this is a D minus at best. Misallocating your cap. So I will go, I'll go C minus. Okay. I don't think it was as egregious as everyone's there. I just don't think it's that egregious when you're not really outlaying cash, but there's no way to sugarcoat it. There's, this is a worse roster on paper right now. Now you can bank on young players developing. Hopefully Mac Jones gets better, whatever, but they took a step backwards from a pure talent perspective on paper. at least. Miami Dolphins. They obviously make the big trade for Tyreek Hill. They bring in new head coach. His name is escaping me. Mike Mike McDaniels. McDaniels. Is it McDaniels or McDaniel? McDaniel. McDaniel. Nice. They signed Teron Armstead to a five-year, $75 million deal. They signed Cedric Wilson to a three-year, $22 million deal. They signed Connor Williams to a two-year, $14 million deal. Chase Edmonds, two-year, 12. They get a lot better on offense. That's a tackle, receiver, guard, and a running back with their four biggest contracts they handed out in free agency. They bring in an offensive-minded head coach in Mike McDaniel. They trade bigly for Tyreek Hill. And then they post a video of Tua Tungavailoa barely throwing a football 19 yards and making it look cool so ups and downs throughout this offseason but i think they have a plan right at least they have a plan hey we're gonna throw the kitchen sink at developing to a tongue by law yeah and that's either gonna hit or miss they got jalen waddle tyree kill added tron armstead added connor williams cedric wilson like they have done a lot mike mcdaniel they've done a lot to give to a tongue by law as little excuse as possible in year three they didn't have a first and second round pick because of these trades that they made they had channing tindall in the third that was their only like high-end pick that they had i think it's a really really solid offseason the reason i'd be worried to give it an a is because they spent a lot on this bet that Tua tongue by low is going to develop now i don't think it's the wrong thing to do with the tools they had and where they drafted him i still think they left no there's no going back right there's no going back like they spent the money they did they made the window that they did thinking that Tua will take the step i think it's at least i think it's an a offseason given what they've done i just worry that Tua is not going to live up to the billing i go a too because they got fantastic players. Not not just like they went out and got, you know, signed, you know, good quality starters. They got difference makers is why I lean A with a guy like Tron Armstead, who's a top three left tackle when healthy, who you know is just going to lock down that side. Not his blind side, but lock down that side. They got a guy in Tyree Kill who is the most dangerous weapon in the NFL offensively. Like you got guys who are, yes, you gave up a lot, but they gave up a lot for guys who are at the level of impact that almost I don't want to say goes beyond measure but force multiplier type of guys so that's why I lean a even if I was just railing against overspending in the offseason I don't think they overspent with the quality of guys that they got and again 
they can do this because Tua Tagovailoa is cheap, and you have to go all in with a rookie quarterback. There aren't the ramifications aren't as massive. You're not going to be cutting half your roster because your quarterback's so cheap for the next two years, and three if you know with a fifth year deal. So I do think that this is an A off season for the Dolphins. I think the Jets, they're next on our list. I think this is an A off season for the Jets. They were in on the Tyreek Hill trade. They were trying to get AJ Brown. They were trying to make aggressive moves to do a lot of the same things the Miami Dolphins yeah. did yes. and prop up a second year quarterback um in, in Zach Wilson. They added Lincoln Tomlinson to a pretty significant deal, three or forty million dollar deal from San Francisco, the interior offensive lineman. They bring in DJ Reed on a three year thirty three million dollar deal. They also signed CJ Uzama and Tyler Conklin, two tight ends to decent deals i was kind of surprised that they put that much money in the tight end Both. position but yeah, that, was that weird that's an intentional decision and hopefully made with zach wilson's fate in mind and then in the draft love what they did adding ahmaud garner garrett wilson jermaine johnson Brees hall jeremy rucker with their first five picks even max mitchell at 111 i think is a good value the jets didn't you know they were also in on the chandler jones stuff like they tried to make bigger swings mm-hmm. with jones hill brown they come up short I still think they made the most of, of this offseason. I think this is an A offseason for the Jets. I agree. A, when my least favorite move is that they sign Lakin and have to flip Elijah Vera Tucker sides. That's my least favorite <laughs> move. That Elijah Vera Tucker has flip sides. That, it was just solid all-around signings. You know, they, they didn't overpay for truly anyone that they signed. The, the only weird signings were the tight ends. Why go so heavy for the tight ends? I, I guess you, you want – multiple tight ends in the offense but it was just that one was the only thing that was really head scratching for me on to the afc west kansas city chiefs are the favorite to win this division but it's still only plus 165 plus 165 for the chiefs plus 230 for the chargers plus 275 for the broncos and the raiders are plus 600 chiefs didn't spend massively in free agency they bring in justin reed on a three-year 31.5 million dollar deal and a and marcus valdez scantling on a three-year 30 million dollar deal outside of that some of their losses Traverius ward is leaving and then tyron matthew is on his way out as well those are some of the major moves they made in free agency trade tyree kill's gone you know they yeah. they, they got worse on offense you don't get better losing like you said the best weapon in the nfl mm-hmm. on offense so they they lose tyree kill in return they get an extra first round pick with their draft capital, they got Trent McDuffie at 21, George Karloftis, the edge defender from Purdue at 30, Sky Moore, one of my favorite picks of the draft, favorite, easily my favorite pick of round two at 54. They also had Brian Cook at 62, Leo Chanel at 103. Chanel. Chanel. Chiefs, A to A-plus draft, free NC slash offseason when you factor in the Tyree Kill trade, C-plus. I, I mean, just on the fact that, like, if you're grading on, like, F is they didn't get better at all. They honestly got like they got significantly worse. A plus being they got significantly better. I don't think you can give their free agency and their trades, you know, the trade of Tyree Kill anything better than a C plus. So I think it's a it's a B plus for the Chiefs for me. I was gonna go A minus because I thought they backfilled for Tyree so well. Like to get three wide receivers that were all upgrades over your wide receiver two last year. I think at least it's going to mitigate yeah. the impact. And it's but like, yeah, Tyreek is super valuable. It's nice, too. Only a one-year, yeah. $3 million deal. That's yeah, a like, good prove-it deal for two. You really mitigated a lot of, like, really backfilled well, kind of like how they do with their offensive line last year. So I, I I don't think they're necessarily that much worse offensively. I think they'll be worse offensively and won't have that dynam- dynamism. But I don't think they'll be that much worse. Least favorite move or just I still worry right tackle still an issue. Did not address it. Lucas Niang very tbd but when i'm haggling over right tackle not addressing it i think it was a good offseason 
Las Vegas Raiders, only significant move they made this offseason really was in free uh, two significant moves they made for, uh, in the offseason were trading for Devontae Adams and signing Chandler Jones. Like those are mm-hmm. two big swings to the bat. Then you factor in moving on from Gruden, moving on from Mayock, and bringing in Ziegler and Josh McDaniels, who I think have been wins just from a vision standpoint. Like they've come in with a vision. They like say, hey, we're going to bring in Chandler Jones, we're going to add Devontae Adams. Um, get Derek Carr on this new contract that I think is very team favorable when you look at the details of that contract. And I like their draft with what they had. Like, obviously, yeah. they lose a lot of capital in the Devontae Adams trade, but Dylan Parham, I think, is a day one starter. Zamir White at 122. And when you look at picks outside the 120s, it's like, okay, they added talent. Zamir White, Neil Farrell, Matthew Butler, Thayer Mumford, and Britton Brown. I think this was a really good offseason for the Raiders. The only reason I think you would downgrade this offseason is because they play in the AFC West. Like if this was a if they play in the AFC South, I think they'd be the favorites to win this that division. Yeah. Like this is a really good football team, good quarterback, good good receiver in Devontae Adams. They still have Darren Waller. They still have Hunter Renfro. Biggest concerns: offensive line and the secondary, specifically outside cornerback. But I mean, a lot of teams have those concerns. I I, I think this is a an A off season for the Raiders. Again, you're only going to discount it if you factor in the fact that they're probably going to finish last. Like, they're the odds-on favorite to finish last in the AFC West because the other teams just got that much better. But I think that's has to factor in, though. <laughs> you know, like, it, 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 to finish last, I don't care if you're a good team, finish last in your division. If you're not first, you're... you're I guess you could still feasibly nowadays make the playoffs to finish last in your division. But I, I got to lean B+. Plus. The okay. Devontae trade just... It's... I, I just I said it at the time. To pay him... You know, thirty million in twenty twenty three, twenty one million against your cap in twenty twenty four, and then forty million in twenty twenty five and twenty twenty six. They gave up a lot. He is. They gave and up a lot up and they paid and him a lot. To first and second to pay a guy a ton of money. It's like, yeah, the offense is gonna be good. And I love the Derek Carr extension. That was probably my favorite of the offseason, but you gave up a lot to then not be able to fill out this roster that's still not good enough, is the is the other issue. It's like there are holes defensively that are still not good enough. So uh, I do worry, but I'll. But I do think, as a whole, the Chandler Jones move is good. Car extension was good. Going to go B plus. Chargers are next on my list, and they finally started drafting well too. Yeah, like <laughs> they signed J.C. Jackson to a significant deal. They trade for Khalil Mack. They signed uh, Sebastian Joseph. They bring in Austin Johnson. I like the moves they made in free agency. I like the addition of Khalil Mack. They're they're shooting for it. They're mm-hmm. saying, "Hey, Chiefs, what's up?" You know, they're second-ranked team, second team in odds to win this division for a reason. They have a window with Brandon Staley and Justin Herbert there. And in the draft, adding Zion Johnson at 17 was a win. Uh, you know, After that, they had picks. You know, JT Woods didn't love the value. You know, He's 154th on PFF's board. He gets picked at 79, but still. like You have to nail your first few picks. They traded the second-round pick for Khalil Mack, and they drafted Zion Johnson at 17. This was a winning offseason for the Chargers. J.C. Jackson, Khalil Mack's. Khalil Mack moves specifically, I think this is an A offseason for the Chargers. Like, they got better, a lot better. And I think they're rightfully going to go toe-to-toe with the Chiefs to win this division. Yeah, I'm going to go A. I do agree that the impact that the guys they signed are is going to be massive. Now, I love J.C. Jackson move. That's probably my favorite, obviously, getting cornerback for his caliber and a guy with, like, legit game-breaking ability, like game-changing ball skills will go a long way in that defense. My least favorite though is Khalil Mack trade. Uh, to give up a second rounder for a guy coming off of a foot injury at 31 years old who was already having a down season by his standards when you could have just gone out and signed Chandler Jones, signed mm-hmm. Von Miller, signed one of the edge rushers because there was a lot of oh, Randy Gregory. 
I, I thought was and paid him shit less than what Khalil Mack's about to get over the next three years. I thought was a little just where I not where I would have gone with that because that second rounder could have made an impact. So that that's just my my uh, one gripe. So there will I'll be no Khalil Mack slander on this pod. I'm just saying. He's, Khalil Mack is a lot better than we'll, you'll ever think of him. I'm a big Khalil Mack guy. He, he broke. He had a broke. Was it a broken foot or what was it? Foot. He's injury? gonna break your face. I'm if just you saying. A 31 year old coming off a broken foot is not. You're a 32 year old coming off a broken heart. I've had a broken <laughs> kneecap. I've had a torn hamstring. <laughs> I've never broken. <laughs> I think that was funny. Even though it's like not even true. Yeah. I thought it was kind of funny. Um, last team here, and then we got to get out of here. Broncos. They trade massively for Russell Wilson, and it's the only reason they're Super Bowl competitive this upcoming season. Uh, they lose a lot in that from a capital perspective. They also lose Noah Fant. I think Shelby Harris was also in that deal. Not like monster movers, but still involved. In the offseason, they bring in Randy Gregory, which I think is sick. Mm-hmm. Randy Rury stealing him away from the Dallas Cowboys. That was the biggest contract they handed out. They also added DJ Jones, defensive tackle from San Francisco, um, and Kwon Williams, the quarterback from San Francisco on a smaller deal. In the draft, they don't have a lot of picks. They traded for Russell Wilson. Obviously, their first pick was Nick Benito at pick 64 in the second round, and they grabbed Greg Dulcich in round three at pick 80. Those are their two only top 100 picks. You're grading this pretty much essentially – Pretty much essentially makes no sense. You're grading this on the Russell Wilson trade. Yeah. What do you think of it? it gave up a lot, man. It really is. And I'd be lying if I said it's going to, like, he's going to justify it after what we saw from the second half last year. Now, I don't think that's ways he's going to bounce back to a degree, but is he good enough to lead you with this roster to where you want to go? And especially, again, in that division. It's a move they had to make is the is the unfortunate sort of reality about it is that they weren't finding a quarterback in this year's draft and they had Drew Locke and they were just years of mediocre at the quarterback position. So the desperation had built up to a degree where it just had to be done. It's a move you had to make. So from that perspective, I'm going to give it an A because there was no real other option to to even getting yourself in the Super Bowl conversation with, again, a roster that's fairly solid. I mean, it's not the best in the NFL, but it is a solid enough roster where if you catch lightning in a the bottle, they could, they could hoist the Super Bowl. So... I'll give it an A. I'm going to go A minus. Okay. A minus for this one. They gave up a lot for Russell Wilson, and there are reasons to believe that they finished third, if not fourth, in the division next year. You know, you want to discredit mm-hmm. the Raiders and all this stuff, a little Khalil Mack slander. Khalil Mack slander. I'm going to get on you here. A minus for the Denver Broncos. What yeah. a phenomenal podcast. That was long. I'm excited for us to continue here. We are going down to two episodes per week. If you didn't catch that, this week we're only doing two episodes. Next week we're only doing two episodes all through the summer. Make sure you fill out that survey, rate, review, and subscribe to the pod. Until next time, Asa Gale, Mike Renner. Tailgate.